Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sounds good. Welcome in, everyone. It's Catfish on Ice, episode 170. We've already, we're already a month into 2023, fellas. How is that Insane. possible? And I think Kyle Perkins said we have stranger danger going on in here. Who is this stranger that's in the room right now? I think his, I think his first name starts with an R. I think it's, <laughs> I think his name's Rich. Where am is I? It, is it Where Rich? Did you mean? I lost inter- my glasses. Uh, Rich, did, did this person named Rich? Did you mean to enter the stream tonight? Are you <laughs> lost, sir? I, it feels like I am a little bit lost, actually. But we missed you, man. And all, and so all glad to be aside, back, we missed you guys. You. So glad. Awesome. We have the crew back. We have yeah. the full crew back. It's all three of us. It's Chad Minton, Rich Howe, Kyle Perkins. We're at the All Star Break, the 2023 NHL All Star Break. It's February first, 2023. We do have some NHL games going on tonight, Two. but for the most part, we're at the break. The Preds have been off for a little bit. They're getting a very nice little break here, which if you ask Rich this, because Rich knows very well, is never as good thing when not the Preds good. get a long break. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be good for them. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't play again for another six days. February no. 7th is when the Predators come back. They take on the Vegas Golden Knights. But be that as it may, this is the NHL All-Star Edition episode of Catfish and Ice 2023. I think we did the same thing last year in 2022, Rich. We'll have to go back and listen to that We episode. did, I believe. I'm pretty sure we did. So we're back. I mean, the years just fly by. I guess that's how it works. No, it's insane. Let's tell you what we're getting into real quick uh, in this All-Star Break edition of Catfish on Ice. We are going to, first of all, look at some historical comparisons of this Predators team, look at some of the past All-Stars that have played for this Predators franchise so many great players that have played for this franchise and represented the all-star uniform, including a couple coaches where there's only been three. Uh, you can do the math <laughs> on which one has not been an all-star coach. <laughs> I think it's probably pretty easy to figure that out. Was that rude of me to say that? I'm sorry. No. How rude. It was a little rude. rude. Um, we're going to go into the top storylines surrounding the Nashville Predators as we are at the break. So what are some of the biggest stories that we're thinking about right now? The things that are really on our minds at the break. If you're a Predators fan, if you're covering the team, whatever it is, what is surrounding this franchise right now? We're going to dive into it. I've got five that I wrote about on Predlines.com, but there's plenty. There's way more than five. There's, there's plenty out there. And we are going to also, so guys, RIP to the former Catfish and Ice segment called Battle for the Central. Yeah. Everyone, everyone bow your heads. Everyone bow your heads for a second. We, it had a good run. It had a good run. It lasted like two seasons, I think. Um, we haven't done it in a while. But Battle for the Central has been put to rest. It was great. We used to rank the power rankings weekly of the Central Division. We have not done it in a while, so we're putting it to rest. But we are going to give it a little bit of respect tonight 
and discuss amongst the three of us how will the Central Division end up at the All-Star break? Mm. I know. It's pretty ugly. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> ugly right now, actually. It usually is. It usually is. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the other three divisions as well and lightly touch on that. Alex Carrier, uh, he's got the four to six week injury designation. Um, you know, an injury is never a good time to happen, no matter when it happens. But to happen before the All Star break, at least at least he's getting some extra time to um, to nurse that injury, and we'll have to wait and see how long the Predators might be without him. I think it's a very, I think it's arguably more significant than losing Ryan McDonough. Because yeah. if he does lose more time, uh, that four to six week window scares me always because you just never know long how long time. it's going to be. Yeah. He's a very underrated and important player to this team. So yeah. we're going to touch on that. NHL quick hitters, we got to touch We got to touch on the uh, Bo Horvat trade. Uh, the first big trade, the first domino, if you will, to really fall as we're a month away from the trade deadline. Uh, the Canucks trade him away to the Islanders. We're going to talk about who won that trade. We're going to tie the Predators into this because I will tell you guys right now, before we went on live, I told you guys, I was worried that the Predators would be the Islanders in overreach mm. for a goal scorer and give away young talent. Yeah. they. Uh, that's always possible. You just never know, right? Yep. And we have to touch on some NHL ratings news. What, what it's not good if you're the powers that be that run the NHL. Most importantly, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, who is celebrating his 30th anniversary. And that's Kamish. Yeah. And to, to horrible ratings numbers. Yeah. Yeah, not 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 good. And we, we will touch on that. And then to round out this episode, it's not going to be on the live version, but to round out this episode, Kyle Pereira, who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, one of Rich's favorite teams. But he covers oh. the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's also a scout for Last Word on Hockey. He's going to round out this episode. you got to download the podcast the next day. If you're watching live right now on YouTube, it's also on our YouTube channel right now. So after you get done watching the, this live portion, circle back, hit subscribe, and then also watch that interview with Kyle. Uh, we have a lot of Kyles floating around here. Lately. There's a bunch of Kyles. Kyle's a good Kyle. name, though. Kyle's a good name. Here's here's Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. What's Hi, up, Lindsay? Lindsay? We love you. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. All right, let's get into it. We are presented by DraftKings and Raycon. Raycon wireless earbuds. We're going to tell you about both of our sponsors later in this episode. You can get exclusive offers on both of them by using the same promo code THPN. Very easy. Pretty so easy. We'll, we'll tell you more about that. Let's First of all, Rich, we miss you, man. How have you been? Uh, working like a mad person. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But hopefully it'll uh, come to an end soon. You get, to, you get to hop on a podcast and talk about hockey. I do, right? so, so that's I think awesome. you're in your happy place, right? I am would you call this your happy place? I would. Yep. All right. Every, every cool. week. Kyle, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Trying not to get iced over up here in the Bluegrass State. <laughs> I'm sure Rich can – 
to that too up his way. There is some ice it going is. on up there. I didn't yeah. hear about that. School was out um, yesterday. Yes. So. Uh, fellas, if you want to hear about my current weather conditions right now. Oh, I heard. I heard. It, you were it's talking. in the 80s. It's actually were, too hot. It's you actually were, too hot. You were wrestling with whether or not you should turn your air conditioner on. Yeah, I was. And like it's 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 actually unseason. <laughs> this you're gonna laugh at this, but it's unseasonably warm even for here. Like people are walking around, like native Floridians are saying, What happened to my quote unquote winter? Which <laughs> uh, uh, a winter. Florida a Florida winter this far down into Florida um is <laughs> Mid sixties, lows of like high fifties. That's a Florida winter. Yeah. Well, right now, like we're, it feels like summer here. Like it's like in the wow. low eighties. So, um, yeah, weather is going to be weather. I guess I don't know. Kyle, do you hold off on turning on your air conditioner when it gets hot, or do you just like? No, if it's hot, I'm turning it on. Yes, sir. I, yes, I sir. turned it on. I turned oh, my AC on today. I, I gave in. I couldn't. If help I feel it. one little hint of I'm hot. Yeah. That sucker goes on. I don't care if it's February. If it mm-hmm. gets hot outside, turn that air on. I'd rather it be cold in my house than hot. Absolutely, me too. Yeah, because yeah, I can't I'm sleep. I can't I'll sleep hold- on my. I can't sleep when it's too hot. <coughs> me either. I'll hold off turning my um, the heat the heat on as long mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lin- Lindsay says it's cold again up here in Calgary. Well, I I mean, is it? I would think it's, it's probably always cold there. A lot of the time, it looks See, like it's they cold have cold. a different kind of cold. Their cold disrespects our cold. No, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, definitely. It's like your cold is weak. <laughs> Get that weak cold out of here. They laugh. They laugh at us Southerners who oh, yeah. say it's cold. They laugh yeah. at us. They're like, you don't even know. They're like, it's you a remember, balmy negative ten. <laughs> uh, Cat Williams did a comedy special years ago when he was talking about going to Chicago. He said, you have to buy your coat for Chicago in Chicago because you buy it anywhere else, it's just going to disrespect it. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. that's that kind of Calgary. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, for sure. All right. Let's Crazy. get into it. Episode 170 of Catfish on Ice. Here we go. Um, first and foremost, um, Let's get into this all-star edition of Catfish on Ice. And uh, guys, the Predators have had 12 different players to be selected as all-stars in their history. Kind of, kind of a kind of an interesting little nugget there for people who maybe didn't know exactly how many players they have had. They've had multiple selections for many of their players in their history. Um but I'm going to throw you guys a little curveball here, and whoever gets yeah. the answer to this right, whoever correctly answers this, I will have to walk from St. Petersburg, Florida, to wherever you live in Kentucky. I'll hitchhike. I'll hitchhike up there if you get this question right. And you can't cheat. You can't <coughs> cheat. I'm watching both of you. Who was the first ever selected all-star by the Predators franchise? Wow. I will walk I, I will literally at the end of this podcast, I will leave my apartment. I'll get my back <laughs> just give me like an hour to get my affairs in order, like get a backpack and a knapsack and some water, but I will hitchhike up to Kentucky. It might so, take me a few days. So that me tells me it's probably nobody that I know. Yeah, it uh, might be. I don't know. Was it Vocoon? Uh, ooh, that's a really good guess, Kyle, but no. 
I'm not walking to Kentucky over that answer. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. I wouldn't have gotten this either. So I mean, oh, really? if that makes you guys feel any better. Uh, our buddy Johnny, is he watching tonight? Is Johnny watching? Johnny him. would get this. Johnny would definitely get this. Johnny's not watching right now. If but Johnny was what if Johnny Predemption is what he logs in as, yeah. um, if he was watching, he would get this. Oh, I bet he probably does. It's know. that type of knowledge. It's that type of knowledge. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you guys. Sergey Krivokrazov. Okay. Yeah. In nineteen ninety-nine. Oh yeah, Sergey. Oh yeah, I remember Sergey. One of the many thousands of Sergeys that have ever played NHL hockey. <laughs> um yeah, Prima, so I'm not walking to Prima, Kentucky, Prima, so that's good. That no. makes me feel good. Um, Cream of <laughs> That'd be a great nickname. Um, let, let's look at some of the former Preds All-Stars here. 12 different players. Shea Weber Shea leads Weber. the All-Star Heard selections. Yeah. Heard him. Five-time selection for Shea Weber as a Predator. Pecorine got selected four times. Roman Yossi three times. Kimo Timonen, the first captain. That's a good one. Original captain. Not the first captain, I guess, but he eventually became captain. He got three He got three uh, all-star selections. UC Soros just got his second all-star selection. P.K. Subban got two picks wow. as a predator. Uh, Philip Forsberg, surprisingly, only has one all-star selection, and it, it was his rookie season. Oh, wow. Mind you. Hmm. Uh, James Neal was an all-star temporarily for the Predators. Uh, Ryan Suter, boo, boo, <laughs> boo, you suck. Ryan Suter got an all-star selection. Jason Arnett, Jason Arnett. And then the very, very famed player that Rich and Kyle knew so much about, Sergei Krivokrasov. <laughs> that sounds dirty. I don't know. I just the only reason I asked that question, the only reason I made the stakes so high on that question is because I knew you guys would not get it unless I you cheated. No. And I know you guys aren't cheaters. Like, there's I wish, respect. I wish I would have known. That would have been great. But Well, I'd yeah, be walking to Kentucky right now. So Yeah. Um, there's that. also two coaches that have been huh. – um, huh. Preds answer this question. <laughs> um, I can promise you, I'm not walking to Kentucky if you get this one right. Um, but it's it's Barry Trotz in 2007, and then Peter Laviolette got two picks mm. as coach in 2015 and 2018. And guess what? A year and a half later, he got fired. Yep. <laughs> he was all star coach, and then got fired a year and a half later. But yeah. All-star selection doesn't mean a thing. Good stuff. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. First of all, this whole – I want to ask you guys this. Okay. Because I am kind of like – I don't like the way the all-star teams are picked these days. I don't know. With this whole central division and, like, each team gets a player. Let's make everybody happy. It's like a participation award. Yeah, well, it just makes it really hard for some of the really good players to actually get an all-star selection. Yeah. You look at a team like the Predators. Philip Forsberg is never going to get an all-star selection 
under this format. Nope. There's really only two players on the Predators right now who can even dream of getting an all-star selection right now. And it's Roman Yossi and Pecorine. No. Nope. Under this format. If you they need to go back to the world versus the North American All-Stars. Yep. Do you guys agree with me, Kyle? Do you, what, the what do you part? <laughs> I don't see how Pekka is gonna get an all-star vote. You said Pekka, Rene, and Roman Yossi. <laughs> but he was the only one that got all-star picks. I meant to say UC Sars. Sorry about it. We're, just, we're just joshing you. Joshing. Yeah. Yeah, it's messed up. I don't I don't I get like UC Soros and Pecorine mixed up all the time because it's mentor student. And that's true. You know what? And we miss Pekka so much. Um yeah, I, I don't know. Like on one hand, it 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 does kind of suck because some of better players do get left out. But on the other hand, some rebuilding teams like Arizona, you'd never see yeah. any of their players ever. And I know they're horrible and whatever, but there might be somebody who wants to see one of them. I don't know. Who knows? But um I mean, I think it's good for to grow to maybe like get all the fans of all teams like maybe interested. Like maybe there's that Coyotes fan out there who's like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch the All Star Game now because Clayton Keller made it." Like maybe, but maybe, yeah. I, I want to go back to the North American All Stars versus the World All Stars. Give me that gives you that Olympic feel. That gives you that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm – that's just kind of how I feel about it. Like, because you used to build some really good teams and it actually meant something to the players because you're playing – you're playing for something when you're going – when it's world versus North America, mm-hmm. it's not country versus country necessarily, but you're still yeah. getting that Olympic feel to it. And that used to be some really mm-hmm. – like, like kind of when I first started watching mm-hmm. hockey, I remember the All-Star Games used to be world versus North America – why can't we go back to that? Why can't we just pick the best? Let's yeah. pick the best. Let's not worry about how many players on each team gets in. The best of the best make it. Let's make it North America versus world. Pick your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, agree. I think that would raise so much intrigue outside of just diehard hockey fans. I think casual fans would get more interested. Mm-hmm. I think that even fans who maybe are thinking about becoming hockey fans might be interested because you'll get that Olympic feel to it. Yeah. And if you watched it last year, uh, that probably turned a lot of viewers off because it wasn't very good. <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't feel, feel great to me, but um, I don't even, did we, I don't even remember um, if you, did you guys watch it last year? I don't remember. I, I watched it, but it wasn't, the, the level bit. of interest was very low. Yeah, it was. I, I, I mean, I watched it cause Soros was in there. I wanted to see if Soros did well. I was more yeah. interested in the skills challenge more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for that one in the water. More so right? than the know. actual game. I was more interested in the skills competition than I was the actual game. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, just not very interesting. Hopefully this year will be better. We yeah, do have – so. uh, When you're talking about the all-star uh, skills competition, there are some some good ones out there. Uh, some of the ones you're, you're used to is uh, accuracy shooting, breakaway challenge, fastest shot, hardest shot, fastest skater. We're all used to that. They're, I guess they're giving us some new ones. 
There's one called the splash shot. So this is, so this is going to be in South Florida. This is uh, it's sunrise. Florida is where the all-star games at this year. This unique event is set to take place on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Cause nothing says hockey like the beach. <laughs> Four I mean, teams. Palm trees on the logo. Four teams of two players will be required to hit targets in an attempt to dunk their opponent in a water tank. Are we, is this like Nickelodeon style stuff here? They're they're going to start slamming each other. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe the team to dunk their opponents first wins in this single elimination tournament. Okay. That's, that's kind of like the thing they did. Well, no, it's not. They did the thing last year in the water where they had to shoot the pucks. It was kind of weird. Oh, you mean the thing where Yossi's puck didn't work? Didn't yeah, uh, yeah. Score they it? had to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he had to. You had to tap it to activate it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. It, there, so there was water. So. We'll see how that goes. All right. Here's another one: pitch and puck. The only sport NHL players may love more than hockey is golf, and Florida is the perfect setting. Six players will face off on a par four hole with an <laughs> island green using both pucks and balls to achieve the lowest score and be declared winners of this brand new competition. So basically, okay. golf and hockey meet together. Okay. So basically, this is a one for the maple leaves. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, um, this this one. They get yeah. in, I see what you're going, what you're doing there. <laughs> they get in some extra rounds during the uh-huh. playoffs. <laughs> we'll see how this one goes. All right, how about this one? Tendy tandem. I do like the name of it. The, the names of cool. them: Tendy tandem. The goalies will be getting more love. This is all from Yahoo, by the way. I, I'm reading this from Yahoo Sports. Um, Got to give them credit. Uh, the goalies will be getting more love in this year's All Star competition with the That's introduction. Good of the Tandy tandem. Uh, Rich is on board already. He heard about yeah. goalies here. All eight all-star goalies. So UC Soros will be involved, I'm assuming. All eight all-star goalies will compete in teams of two with one taking part in the shooting facet and the other tending the goal. So I think Soros needs to be the shooter. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Are they going to do Are they going to do divisions here? I'm assuming they'll put... Soros with Hellebuck. Yeah, if they do, Let, yeah. Let's keep the two goalies together in each division. So if you're the if you're the Atlant or the um, yeah the Atlantic division, you will probably want Vasilevsky in goal because he's so big. Yeah, he just and, takes and up let, so much space. Yeah, and let Linus Allmark shoot if that's how, <laughs> how it's going to go. I mean, I would I think know, that's Allmark's how they do been it. better than Vasi this year, though. Yeah, yeah but Vasilevsky's so huge. Like he, he doesn't have to move. Marshmallow man. And, like uh, he, like Vass basically just doesn't have to move. Just like yeah. stand there. And he's the walrus commercial. Look at me. Yeah. The shooter sure. will take a shot from a designated spot on the ice and will accumulate points based on where he places the puck in the net. Based on how well the shooting goalie does, his counterpart net will face a number of skaters in a shootout. So if no. the shooter so if the shooter sucks, you screw over your teammate. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this might actually be kind of good. I might actually have to watch so this. Do they have to shoot with their pads on? <laughs> I don't know, that? man. This is this this has potential, guys. This it might has be good. Potential. If the goalie and net makes a save, 
His team earns full points for that round. The game continues until every puck is shot in the tandem with the most point wins. This sounds more confusing. Like, I've got to, like, yeah. do, like, homework to figure out how this scoring system works. I don't get it. If I was a goaltender, I wouldn't want to go to the All-Star game because all it is is you getting scored on. Yeah. It's, like, not any fun at all. Well, there's this, no defense allowed. No defense allowed. Uh, just... They say, don't worry. We're just as confused as you are about this event. So, we'll just have to wait. <laughs> That's all good. Right. But I'll, I'm going to watch it at least. You <laughs> know, of course, we got fastest skater. We've got hardest shot. Like, we know all about those. Breakaway challenge, accuracy shooting. I've always loved the hardest shot just because. That's my well, favorite. Yeah, that's all, the best event there is. We all know about the GOAT, Shea Weber, who for the longest time had one of the fastest shots, hardest shots. Yeah. Um, we know that Roman Yossi's a fast skater. But we'll have to see. Connor McDavid um, will be McDavid's in there. Jordan Kyrie. ran away with it for the last – Mm-hmm. Yeah, Forever. Jordan Cairo won last year's event in 13.55 seconds. So uh, the skills competition is always fun, you know, if you're just hanging out and need something to watch. I, I'm more interested in that than the actual game itself, honestly. If they made it world versus North America, I would be yeah. all about the game. I'd be all about the game. I'd go out and buy a North America jersey, for crying out loud, just yeah. to represent. Like it, it, it makes it more important. It makes it more interesting. I think the players would have more to play for. Um, hopefully, the NHL eventually goes. Back. You, uh, you definitely don't want to buy one of the jerseys this year. Those things are ugly. Oh my gosh, yeah, they're so horrible. They are not, not great. Oh my gosh, they're usually not great. But the last time Roman Yossi went, those were those look pretty cool. They were like gray, the gray uh, with the stripes and yeah, stuff. yeah. Those were those were good, but. Hopefully, Nashville doesn't screw up the ones next year. Oh, it's going to be probably a cowboy hat on it or something stupid. Hey, let's let's go and call it like it is. Nashville knows how to handle the All-Star game. It is going to blow anything out of the water we've ever Mm -hmm. seen. Oh, I absolutely agree. I'm just saying, they make some hot garbage jerseys sometimes. They do. But I can promise you that the powers that be in Nashville that are planning for this whole all-star thing is already – they're already planning it right now. Like, they're already working on it, and it's going to be – it's going to be great. All right. So, let's get into our opening face-off here of Catfish and Ice Episode 170 with our top storylines going into the break surrounding the Nashville Predators who are – at 54 points in the standings, 24, 18, and six. <laughs> they are four points out of third place. And they are three points out of a playoff spot. But if you talk to fans around here, you would never know that. You would think that they were down there with Chicago and Arizona, the way fans talk about the Predators these days. And I'm not giving them crap about it. I understand. I understand. There's but, a lot of wow. bad, bad feelings right now. Yeah. It's, it's sure. pretty bad. So let's let's talk about some of the biggest storylines surrounding um, the Predators right now. Let me start with my first one, guys. Are the Nashville Predators starting to finally click offensively? There's there's only there's the only direction you can go is up. Like they can't get any worse, really. But I do think they're starting to show some modest signs of improvement on this end. And that is one of the major keys 
to whether this team's actually going to not only make the playoffs, but who knows, maybe even get past the first round. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? And then we'll go to Rich. Uh, do you think this team is starting to find something offensively? That's one of my storylines. Well, you asked me this last week, and I'm going to give you the same answer I gave you last <laughs> week. Is It depends on what team shows up that day is what my opinion is. Because they are the most inconsistent team I believe I've ever watched. So That's whenever true. they can do it for 10 games in a row, I believe it. There you go. I mean, they 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 put up a six four win over the Devils to go into the break. It was another really exciting win. The offense was clicking in that one game, but just because it's one game doesn't mean they fixed all their problems. Uh, five of those goals came on you know regular scoring. Then they added an empty netter. Um, uh, uh, here here's my big key point in all of this, and then we're, I'm going to get Rich's point uh, thoughts on this. You know, everyone says Matt or everyone says Philip Forsberg is the big key in all this. Philip Forsberg's putting up goals. He's not on the same pace, but mm-hmm. he's scoring goals. Here's where I think about the storyline here. Matt Duchesne is starting to find his groove. His skating has been mesmerizing lately. You watch yes. this dude play, he's not always finishing. We need him to finish. I get that. But this dude is skating circles around people. He is. I Can agree. he turn that mm-hmm. into more goals? Can he turn it up a notch, start finishing? I'm not saying he's going to reach anywhere <clears throat> close to his pace of last year when he became the single-season Preds record <clears throat> holder in goals. But can he come close to it? Can he start ramping up the pace Start finishing, start scoring some goals. You're thinking about the line combination of Forsberg and Duchesne on a wing with hopefully Yuso Parsonen, I would hope, or Cody Glass, either one, interchange them. I would mm-hmm. rather Parsonen be centering them personally. But either way, put one of those centering those two wingers and let those two wingers go to work. Yeah, for Forsberg sure. Forsberg still hasn't scored a goal since. <clears throat> Being on the line with Parsonen. So, mm. well, uh, Rich, what are you thinking, man? Do you think that it's just this team is who they are? They're not going to be a high scoring team. I want to say <clears throat> with everything in me that they are turning things around, but like Kyle said, you just don't know. You just don't know what you're going to get. Like they played a really good game against New Jersey, that was a great game. Um, They've won, what was that, one, two, three, four, five of their last six, which is good, but, like, just still some bad lapses here and there. But I think after they had their little team meeting, things looked a little a little better, but um, you, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to show up every night. So, Yeah, that is very true. Um, oh, you're oh, echoing. It's not me. You were saying so many good things that you echoed off my phone. I'm so wow, sorry, Rich. Good. <laughs> All good. It's such a good point. Um, no, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, the thing I will say about the Predators is that if you look at expected goals <clears throat> for, they're one of the most unlucky teams in the oh, league, yeah. especially, oh. especially at five on five. So expected goals for the Preds are – this was going into the break for the Predators here. 
The Predators were second in the NHL, according to Money Puck, and expected goals for at five-on-five even strength hockey. Second in the league, but they're 26th in goals per game. That was a couple days ago going into the break, but that is a massive discrepancy here. Now, I'm not making excuses for them. You got to finish. That's not the end-all, be-all. Expected goals for isn't the end-all, be-all. Not making excuses for them. But there's got to be something that you can zero in on in terms of scheming, in terms of plays, line combinations, whatever you want to have it when it comes to the coaches. Figure out to figure (laughs) out why are we not finishing? Why are we getting all these scoring chances? And yet we don't have the goals to show for it on the scoreboard. That's that's frustrating when you see something like that. Yeah. Now, weird. granted, the Preds commit a lot of penalties. They're top ten in penalties again this year. So that's five on five. So I think your formula based on that is let's be more disciplined, the best we can. And at five on five, we're actually not a bad hockey team when it comes to creating scoring chances. Yeah. I mean, when they when they have everything clicking, they they play really well. Uh, like they did the past couple games, but it can it goes south really quick, <laughs> or it can go south really quick. Unfortunately, a lot it's of their just, win, a lot of their wins mm-hmm. recently have come in low scoring fashion. They've gotten a lot of two to one wins lately. Uh, they're having to do their normal winning formula. So probably yeah. the win over the Devils to go into the break is probably an outlier, unfortunately. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see. But that is definitely one of my top storylines. <clears throat> That's a good going one. into the break. Here's my next one. And this one, we're going to, I mean, th- this one we can easily talk about. Gla- can Glass and Parsonen keep rising to more important roles? Uh, that's got to be something on the top of everyone's mind right now. Mm-hmm. Will the ascension of Cody Glass and Yuso Parson continue in the post-break part of the season? Uh Kyle, what are you thinking, man? Yes. yes. I think those the most basic response. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Next. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, those two guys are absolutely just they're ready and they're proven they're ready. I don't see anything but good things for both of them. Yeah. They're they're pu- both of them in the last couple of months have been punching well above their weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only yep. thing that worries me is John Hines putting them on lines that they can't be their best versions of themselves. Yes. That's the only thing that worries me. I think mm-hmm. if you put them at center roles in the top <clears throat> six, I know Parsons been moved into the bottom six a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, but they seem to be all on board with Cody Glass. Like Cody Glass is someone they're not messing with right now. Like they're yeah. keeping him up there in that elevated role. So we'll have to wait and see how that yeah. shakes out. But there is no reason if you're John Hines to tinker with that right now because these guys have stepped up to the plate and they've delivered. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I, I obviously want to see them both succeed, but I'm really glad to see Cody Glass uh, succeeding because mm-hmm. it feels like he's gotten a little bit of the runaround since he's been in the NHL. Just things haven't panned out for him. And just uh, watching him, watching him play well, and finally, you know, living up to whatever expectations people put on him or whatever. Um, 
yeah, it's just a good thing to see. And as 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 we know, Yusuf Parsonen came into really rare territory among franchise rookies in Predators history. Uh, 21 points in his first 34 <laughs> games among the Predators to debut. Only three rookies have ever recorded their first 20 NHL points in fewer games. Craig Smith, Alexander Radulov, and Philip Forsberg. So Parsonen is in some pretty pretty good company there. So what that that's something that's obviously a storyline for a lot of Predators fans is can these two guys in particular continue to earn their roles and play critical parts into this team because I can promise you right now if these two guys weren't living up to the to the occasion right now then you think the Predators are bad now. Oh, they oh, wouldn't wow. even be Oh, they yeah. wouldn't even be where they're at. So mm-hmm. these two guys are very integral into why the Predators are even in this spot to battle for a playoff spot again. So can they keep it up? Can they avoid a sophomore slump? Can they avoid dipping back? Um, we'll have to watch that. Mm-hmm. All right, here's my next storyline, guys. Can the Predators survive a bad stretch of hockey from Juice? Ooh. And when I say bad stretch, I don't mean like one or two games. When I say bad stretch, I mean like five or six games where Soros is human. Maybe he's human. Maybe he's not elite like we know he is. Maybe he does give up some soft goals here and there each game. uh, And you have to give him goal support to actually win. Can the Predators actually survive that? I'm going to go with no. And that ties into the first storyline. Yeah, I don't think goal so. That ties into is the offense changing. These are kind of tying together a little bit here. But this, this team let him get was shot on sixty five times. So <laughs> there you go. Well, that that's the answer. I mean, like I just I think if he's having a bad night, no matter what they do, it's it's not going to be pretty because he has bailed them out so many times. So, mm-hmm. and I don't think it. Uh, I don't know how many times they've actually bailed him out. So, uh, few to none. <laughs> few to none for sure. You know that game against the Devils. You actually saw a Predators team that was very aggressive offensively, very aggressive on the puck, very you know pushing the puck down the ice, mm-hmm. creating scoring chances. Very, very. Um, very busy in transition and they ended up winning that game, you know, but is that, an, that's probably an outlier. Like, do we really think this team is going to shift over because tying back to the first storyline is the offense turning around. It ties into this storyline mm-hmm. regarding Soros. If the predators do turn the page offensively and they do actually start becoming a team, they can give you three, four, five goals in a game then perhaps they can sustain a five-game stretch. Because I'm thinking post-break, the Predators can't afford a five, no. six, seven-game losing streak. That will be mm-hmm. the end of it. That will oh, be yeah, the end of this whole stretch. That'll be the, and, the nail in the proverbial coffin. And I'm telling you right now, it's very possible that as great as Saros is, he might have a bad stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always Can possible this team overcome sure. that? Can this team overcome that? I just think the way things have gone this season, that if he does have a bad stretch, like you said, I think I think they'd be done. 
unfortunately. There's just, just nothing has gone right with this whole season. So it's uh, it's been ugly, very ugly at times. Yep. All right, here's my next one. What will the Predators – how will the Predators approach the trade deadline, guys? <laughs> um, I mean, we're a month away, guys. We're a month away, um, and the Predators are in familiar <clears throat> territory. What do they do? They're not – they're not firmly on one end of the spectrum or the other. They're very much like, what do you do here? There's plenty of fans out there who are so against buying and they just want this team to be ripped apart. I get it. But what do they do here? Uh, that's obviously a very big storyline for this team. I got to mention what Frank Saravelli said recently um, regarding the Predators. He said – Quote, with each passing game, the decision gets a little bit tougher for Preds GM David Poyle. His team <laughs> is hanging tough in the playoff race, and whenever they seem to be left for dead in the standings, they bounce back. That's what Frank Saravelli of Daily Faceoff uh, said about the Preds and the po- and Poyle on the deadline strategy. And he probably, What do you guys, do you guys think about that? He probably copy and pasted that from the past two or three years because that's probably is exactly most likely the same boat we have been in this whole time. I mean, mm-hmm. so Bo, Bo Horvat, who we're going to talk about in our quick hitter segment later in this episode, Bo Horvat was at the top of his trade board when he wrote that article, and now Bo Horvat is going to the Islanders. But next up on his board is Timo Meyer. Then you got Jacob Chickering. You got Patrick Kane. You got Jonathan Taze. You got a lot of other guys. Um, it's not a very big starstruck mm-hmm. trade deadline board once you get past some of those some of those guys. Um, the only way I can see the Predators going heavy in the paint and buying anybody is if it's a pure low end depth move, not high risk. Maybe a guy who can boost your prospect pool a little bit. Maybe someone you can plug into the fourth line to maybe shift out Cole Smith. Other than that, I don't know how the Predators do anything at the trade deadline. You mean like that year they got uh, Corbini and Holzer? No. I was about to say, who's the tallest? uh... (laughs) They went and got Luca Spiza too one year, Rich. They did. Who's the tallest third and a half defenseman. In the they're league. not going to do that. I, they're very, very pleased with Jeremy Lazan. They're very pleased with uh, Roland McCown. Or uh, I mean, they're 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 fine. They don't have to go in and get any big body defenseman. I think McEwen's I been fine. Roland McEwen's been fine. Who's the other I, one? I'm not saying he hasn't. I'm just saying, have you have you seen David Paul? At the trade deadline before. He loves himself a big old body defenseman. He, he big old bulky. Like Who's yeah. he going to give up to get one of those guys? You think he's going to ship off a key for Sherwood or a, um, who else can we think? Sherwood of? is lit it up in Milwaukee. Exactly. So that's my point, though. Like, if he's going to go do something like that, yeah, what's he going to do? Ship off a fourth or fifth round draft pick and get some big body oaf that can just yes. take up space at the blue line? Yes. Yes, he probably will. We'll see. Let's add somebody who's going to get us more penalty minutes because that's what we don't have enough of is more penalty minutes. Yeah. And they're stupid penalty minutes. But all, I, would, all, I would say all, Dante Fabro. All I hope for is, if anything, all I hope for is that the Predators don't do anything. Just sit this one out. Sit it out. Watch <clears> it. 
First think, of all, first of all, there's tons of cap restraints this year. There's real. This yeah. is going to be a pretty boring trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, from what I'm understanding, like there's a lot of cap restraints. Most teams can't do anything, even if they want to, right now, mm-hmm. which is going to tie into another NHL quick hitter when it comes to the ratings that are tanking across the league right now. Teams can't make moves even even if they want to right now. No. No. So if you're looking at a team like the Predators, that's probably a good thing. That's probably a blessing in disguise. Just ride it out. Let what happens, happens. You're never going to be able to rebuild as long as you have UC Saros in net because he's always going to win you games you're not supposed to win. So as long as you have UC Saros, you're going to be a semi-competitive team and you're yeah. not going to fall far enough back and to, to be so bad that you can just completely rebuild. Yeah. They kind of they kind of have been setting it out though for a few years. I mean, they get the people they get. You know, it's not that much of a an impact on the team. But um, I like that plan. I think that's that's a good plan. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of foolproof. You know, you, you yeah. can't you can't get blamed for blowing the team up, and you can't get blamed for going all in on somebody and then losing in the first round. So. If you look at the, if you look at the Predators schedule coming up, they've got eleven games before the trade deadline. Eleven more games left. They will play the night before the deadline against the Florida Panthers. Wow! If I'm going to ask you guys this, I'm going to ask each of you guys this: If the Predators have moved into the top three of the division by that point, which is still mathematically very possible then it's going to be very hard to convince David Poyle to not do something very bold. And this scares me. I'm not saying I'm on board with it, but he might get so emboldened that he might trade away a very coveted young asset, someone we care about, a young prospect, someone who means something for the long-term future. That's what scares me. Yeah, I mean, you, you just never know what he's going to do, you know? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's insane. I don't even, we, we've talked about it so many times. It's like, you just, there's no way of knowing. Yep. You just can't tell um, what's going 11, to happen. We got 11 games to watch. We'll see what the Predators do coming out of the break. And if they win, it could be a curse in its own right. <laughs> Because it's going to yeah. make David Poyle want to buy even more if this team surges up and gets into that top three. We'll have to wait and see. All right, yeah. here's my last one, and it's going to tie into our next segment. And it's um, how long are we going to be without Alex Carrier? He gets Oof. the four to six week. We talked about it in the last episode, me and Kyle did, uh, regarding how he stepped up for Cody Glass, got in that fight with Logan Stanley, the big body. That's a big boy. You give him a lot of credit for sticking up for a teammate, but if he ends up being on the latter part of that injury designation of six weeks, that really hurts this team. Because I'm telling you, Alex Carrier is one of those defensemen that – gives you some offense. He moves the puck. He drives the puck. Mm-hmm. If he's out, you got to put in a you got to put in a Roland McEwen or uh you know someone like that. I I'm thinking about bringing up Jordan Gross again at that point. Yeah. If, if coming out of the break if I think that mm-hmm. Carrier is going to be out for a while, I'm really thinking hard about getting Jordan Gross back into mm-hmm. the lineup cuz he already showed he can do it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he did do well. Yeah, it was. I was a little shocked when I saw him fight that guy because that dude is massive. Yeah, I mean he's and he's, he's got Kevin Gravel too. Kevin Gravel yeah. actually was the one who stepped in. I'm sorry, uh, he's the one who actually stepped in and played uh, in Carrier's absent right before the uh, break. And yeah. you know, Kevin Gravel is another third pairing interchangeable defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's like- he's a he's a guy you can shift in there. And he's got some playing experience. I I've liked a lot what I've seen from him when he has mm-hmm. been in. I I trust him to do the job. That's it per right se. There. But I know that they've got to be thinking about do we put Jordan Gross in there possibly out of the break? Yeah, so I mean, we have I think to keep an eye would, on that. I think that'd be a good call up. Like you said, those guys do the job. They all can't be Roman Yossi. All the defensemen sure. can't be Roman Yossi. So, no. so that that's my storylines. Is the offense clicking? Can Glass and Parson continue their ascension? Can Soros avoid a bad stretch of hockey? And can the team actually overcome that? How will the Preds approach the deadline? And how much time will Alexander Carrier miss? You guys got anything else that are really on the top of your mind here? Matthias Ekholm, is he still going to be a Predator? <laughs> That always came up every year. I don't think he's going anywhere. They're not trading him. I don't yeah, know. It's just, it's just, if they were losing, if they if they weren't going through through this recent stretch of winning, then I would definitely be thinking more about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's always been names that people have thrown out there. He's definitely the top one whenever trade deadline time comes around. He's probably like, again, I gotta do this again. He is on there like every year, it seems like. Yeah, Poor fella. I know, Poor right? fella. Poor fella making all that money. There's a lot of teams out there who would love to have him, though. Oh, I yeah. promise you that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Let's tell you about one of our sponsors here in episode 170 of Catfish on Ice, and that is Raycon Wireless Earbuds. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I mean, we all have our New Year's resolutions, um, and we all uh, sometimes we don't follow those closely all year. But with Raycon, it can be very simple. Raycon has very simple way. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change, even if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. So uh, Raycon earbuds, for me, it's listening to podcasts. It's going on a walk. You throw them in, you're walking. They've got different features to change your audio, to change your listening habits. You know, in this day and age, we're all on the move here, and we're all – thinking of ways to listen to our favorite music, listen to listen to our favorite podcast. If you're listening to Catfish on Ice, you can use Raycons to listen to Catfish on Ice. Yep. Definitely do that. Definitely. We promote that for sure. So whether you're looking for a pair of everyday mm-hmm. earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycons got you covered. I forgot about gaming. We got a lot of gamers out there. A lot of guys who get on there and play the Xbox. They play the PlayStation. You need some good headphones, some easy, comfortable headphones to wear. 
And yep, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. So yeah, get two pairs because guess what? If you're like me, I lose. I go through pairs of headphones like my underwear almost. Like I, I, I really bad mm. about it. So mm. I lose them. I water damage, whatever. Raycons, you can get two pairs. There you go. Get you a backup pair. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. And also, of course, there are three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistant, eight everyday earbuds, or 11 everyday speakers, hours of playing time. Wow. So, I mean, what, what are you missing there? So... Use our promo code THPN to get a special offer on Raycon wireless earbuds and speakers. It is a great product, and we are happy to have them sponsoring the podcast. Buy two. Let's let's rebirth a old segment that has died, but we're going to try to bring it back tonight. Battle for the Central, fellas, is no more. Mm -mm. So sad. So it sad. Was home, it was like homework, though. Sometimes you they were fun, like, though. They were fun. You had to do a little research, though. Sometimes we did, yeah. <laughs> so we're not bringing that segment back, but we are going to discuss here at the All Star Break in this All Star edition of Catfish on Ice. We're going to mm-hmm. discuss how we think the Central Division is going to eventually end up. Do we think it is as crystal clear as the Dallas Stars are just going to like mm-hmm. run away with it? They're currently one point up on the Winnipeg Jets. They're eight points up on the Wild. So they've got a decent cushion, but this team, here's the thing about the Dallas Stars. They know how to make it to overtime, and then they lose Mm -hmm. in overtime. They got 10 overtime losses this year. So, uh, Rich, what do you think, man? Do you think it's the Stars to lose, or are you thinking about another team in the Central – that is, or maybe two teams that you think are going to really give the stars a really run for their money. Do you think the stars are going to win it? I think, I think it will probably wind up being the stars. <clears throat> They're a really tough team. We've seen them play, but like you said, they do have the ability to give up, you know, uh, wins uh, here and there, but um, they're just playing really well. So I think out of all the teams, it would probably be them. Um, I don't really see, I mean, Winnipeg could make some noise, obviously, but I don't know. I think it's Dallas's to lose. I'd agree with Rich. I don't really see anybody competing with Dallas at this point. Uh, Pretty hard to mess with. Good goaltending, really good goal scorers. Robertson's a beast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Colorado's too far behind at this point to challenge. Really, I think they're uh, nine points back right now. So they do that. That's that sounds like not a lot, but 
it's actually a pretty big gap there, like it you said. So, um, especially unless Dallas gets on a really bad streak, yeah, and they've been pretty consistent this year, so I don't really mm-hmm. see that happening. Yeah, so it's just my so thing, ugly. My <laughs> thing about my thing about Dallas is that makes them like so. Even when they lose, they get a point. They make it to overtime. Yeah, you know, like so. Yeah, yeah I'm sure from a Dallas Stars perspective, right now as a fan, you're probably frustrated. That you mm-hmm. keep seeing your team losing overtime and you're leaving these points on the board. But at the same time, you got to feel a little bit uplifted that your team is at least getting a point, Absolutely. even when you lose. So, the you know, the stars are 28, 13, and 10 uh, for a 0.647 point percentage. So, I mean, they're getting they're getting points even when they don't play their best hockey. So I am, you know, I'm not even focused on Winnipeg and Minnesota. They're the other two teams in the top three right now. I'm actually way more focused on Colorado. Does yeah. Colorado have enough in the tank to make the push to eventually pass Dallas? Uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at at this point. Um, in terms of can anyone give Dallas a run for their money? It's going to be Colorado, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Once they have all their firepower, firepower back. All right. Yeah, and if you're looking at the season series uh, between Dallas and Colorado at this point, they've already played twice, and Colorado won both games. And they've still got to play two more times. They play on March the fourth. They play on April first. So. Head to head, I don't know. Seven game series, Western Conference Finals, possibly. I'm still putting my Ooh. money on Colorado. All right. If everybody's healthy, whoo, that's a good matchup right there. They'll make, yeah, they'll make a push for sure. There's only one team with more overtime win or losses in the whole NHL, and it's San Jose. Ooh, they have 11. That's not good company. That's not good they company. Have 11, 11 overtime. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't expect that team to be. Dallas there. has 10. <laughs> and two completely different teams in different Absolutely. spectrums. Wow. That's yep. a good stat there, Rich. Share. So, yeah, you're looking at it here. So, what are we? What, is it full gold that the Preds are three points behind here? Behind the Avs, they're four points behind the Wild. Um, I mean, are they just stuck in that muck that they're always stuck in? We got the Blues. The Blues are fading fast. I mean, they are tanking. Yeah, they fell off a cliff. They are a nosedive, and they I know they, I know they steamrolled the Preds not that long ago. But when you look at the overall standings, the Blues are completely tanking right now. So, yeah. are the Preds pretty much a fifth place team, and that's their best case scenario? Do you think that's their ceiling? They don't get any higher than fifth. I don't know. They they could climb up. They've got three games in hand on Dallas, so um, they can make they could they could climb up some. But I don't see them. Yeah, well, I don't know. it's gonna no it's gonna be no, tight. Well, first of all, no one's predicting them to win the division, so we don't have to. No, worry. I'm just saying. No. Like, you know, they they do have some some games to. What idiot said that at the beginning of the season? Um, <laughs> someone. <laughs> I think someone on this podcast did. Yeah. They've let us down, boys. You're not an idiot, though. That doesn't make you an idiot. That doesn't make you an idiot. All right. So, uh, other divisions here that we are – let's look at the other three divisions really quick. Let's touch on them. I kind of put out my top points I'm looking at from each division. So, 
Uh, my central division takeaway was can as make up for lost time to catch Dallas Winnipeg. All right, we right. already kind of covered that. Pacific yep. division. You got Weird. five, you got five teams within six points in the Pacific Division right now. Five teams within and six the, points. And the Kraken sitting at the top. That I'm division with the Crackheads, man. Oh, Come on. That division is a complete crapshoot yeah, at this point. It is. Vegas just got Delta. A bad hand today, too. So I'm riding with my preseason pick, fellas. I can't back down now. It, I got to stick with the Kings. Um, that's a good pick, though. But the Kings yeah, got the Kings got four games, and they've played four more games than Seattle, oh, and they're sure tied are. with the same amount of points. Yeah. So that's that's not good. If you're if you're looking at it, they the the Kraken are in first place, and they they've played the fewest games in the division. And yeah. they're in first place. So that's – and they got a plus 26 goal differential, whereas the Kings are a minus 10. That's a pretty quirky stat there if you That if is you very really look quirky, at for sure. Ooh. But I got to ride with it. See, so yeah, you got you got the Kraken at 63, the Kings at 63, the, the Golden Knights at 62, the Oilers at 60, they're lurking, and the Flames, they're at 57. So, I mean, you got five really quality teams that you can all make an mm-hmm. argument for coming out on top. So, the, the Pacific Division race is going to be out of the all four divisions. That's going to be the division that's going to have like a photo finish. Yep. Then if you switch to the other side of the country. Yeah. How about, <laughs> hey, Rich, hey, Rich, how about you tell us about the Atlantic Division and your darlings <laughs> of the NHL? Yeah, they're 11 points ahead of Toronto <laughs> right now. And they beat Toronto less tonight. And they, so. they they went through a three-game losing streak, so they showed that they were at least somewhat human. A little bit. A little bit human, but still they made up for it today. And they're sure. going to be buyers at the trade deadline, Rich. Uh, uh, to round out this episode, we got Kyle Pereira joining us, who's the scout for um, Last Word on <clears> Hockey. <throat> We got into some trade deadline talk. We talked about some teams that uh, we think are going to be really active buyers at the deadline. And he brought up the Boston Bruins as a team who he thinks was is going to be very active to get even better, as scary as that is, even yeah. better at the deadline. And um, I don't know. We threw around a player named uh, Patrick Kane being mm. linked to the Bruins. Oh, gosh. I don't know about that. I think that would just upset the apple cart, in mm-hmm. my opinion. We'll see how it goes. It could but be, um, it could be good. But yeah, I think the Atlantic division is pretty much wrapped up for the Boston Bruins. Not just because they have such a big lead in the standings, but because they're actually that good. They are good. <laughs> they're actually mm-hmm. that good. They're, I mean, you don't, you don't look at the Bruins and think, oh, this team's a fraud. Like right. You look at them and you think, oh, yeah, this team is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, did anyone think they were going to be historically great on pace of having the best point total in NHL history? Well, no, no one had predicted that. But oh, I, I was wrong. They're actually up 13 points on Toronto. I, I didn't okay. refresh. So there you go. It's okay. <laughs> and then the it's Metropolitan, the, Met, the Metropolitan Division. I mean, you gotta you gotta think the New Jersey Devils are like the darlings of the whole league this year. In, in yeah. terms of surprise teams, they got surprise. Jack. They got Jack Hughes, who I mean, when I was watching the Preds play the Devils the other night, 
Oh no, that dude. That dude is special. I mean, he, he is, is. He can do whatever he wants. He creates chaos in a good way. In I a mean, good way. So he reminds me, and I don't know if this is just my weird thinking or something, but whenever he's out, especially in like late game or on like a breakaway or something, he puts fear in me like Patrick Kane did when he was younger. Oh, yeah, I like sure. that comparison. I like yeah. that comparison. Yeah, um, yeah it's absolutely one hundred percent true. He's a great skater. I mean, he's a he's a crack. He's very crafty. I like the word crafty when it, describing uh, Jack Hughes. Uh, but the but the Devils, man. I mean, they they've their, their goaltending is the one thing that can hurt them. They don't have a ton of trustworthy goaltending right now, but. They've they've got Dougie Hamilton, who is a top five in points mm-hmm. right now among defensemen. People forget about him. Um, he's on my fantasy team, so let's go, Dougie. Um, but yeah, do the Dougie. The Devils are eight points mm. behind Carolina in second place. It's a little, it's pretty spread out. So your fourth yeah. place team is the Capitals. They are sixteen points behind first place. So drastically different than the Pacific mm-hmm. Division. Yeah, or you've got five teams within six points. But when you're looking at the Metro Division, can the Devils keep up their early season pace? Can they show that they're legit and they're not frauds? They've they've got a little bit to prove here. Still, there's still a lot yeah. of teams left. They could easily fade here in the stretch. They are only if you're looking at the wild card race in the in the Eastern Conference. As great of a story as the Devils have been, they are only eight points from being in the wild card. So it's not like they're so far ahead that this can't go south quick for them. I think they're good enough to overcome that. They're going to stick around. They're going to make the playoffs and be a really fun story to watch in the playoffs. But I'm just saying, let's, let's focus on that here. Uh, And also when you look at the Metro division, uh, you see the Rangers, well, you see the Rangers out there. I mean, are you saving, you saving the best for last? (laughs) Uh, you're, talking about the, you're talking about the mighty Islanders, the mighty, the mighty, mighty Carolina Hurricanes. Well, they're in first place. I know, man. They're they're, they're on my a Cup pick, seven game win streak right now. They're my Stanley Cup pick. So I watched I watched them play uh, the Bruins the other night. Dude, they are so fast. If I get I mean, a Canes Bruins Eastern Conference Finals, I will not be upset over it. Yeah. Oh, that would be a great series. I think it yeah. would be. And you got you got two teams that have good goaltenders. They have electric, high powered offenses. They have quality defense as well. They check all the boxes. Both teams have they're very balanced. So that would be a outstanding yeah. seven game series. Mm-hmm. But you so we'll see. the Rangers. The Rangers. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they could maybe pass the Devils eventually in the division, but I don't know. I, I expected more out of them this year. Maybe they still have time to right the ship a little bit, but they've been a yeah. little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they were my pick for the cup at the beginning of the year. And they could still do it. I mean, I think they're still a playoff team. I think they're still a playoff team, but I don't think they have the firepower like they did last year to – Yeah, it doesn't seem like they do. I don't know. All right, so that, they just seem a little weak. Yes. So that's that's how we see the division races going right now at the All Star break. Uh, 
let us know at Catfish Ice or follow us on Twitter or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Comment right now uh, if you're watching live on Twitter or YouTube and let us know what you think about the four division races right now. Uh, we got a couple more things to get into. Uh, we're presented by DraftKings and Raycon Earbuds. We've got Kyle Pereira coming up later on in the episode if you're listening on the audio version the next day. Great interview with him. We talked trade deadline. We talked about Connor Bedard hype train for the draft. Uh, Kyle also goes into some players that he thinks the Predators will be in line to draft. Even if the Predators do pick mid-first round, he tells me that this is a really loaded and deep draft mm-hmm. class. So for a lot of the fans out there who want the Predators, they're worried about their draft pick, and they think that they they want them to lose so they can get a higher draft pick, according to Kyle Pereira, this draft class looks pretty good. Even if you're picking mid-first round, you're going to have a chance to pick a really good player. He listed some really good ones. We talked about that. That's going to be at the end of this episode. Let's talk about DraftKings real quick. The end of, uh, Right now, we are at the Super Bowl, guys. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. So, yeah. So, <laughs> we are at the Super Bowl, and um, it's one of those times where DraftKings is right there for you with our promo code THPN to get exclusive offers on the big game. So, right now, guys, you need to be looking into DraftKings. You need to be looking into this great offer with bigger NFL payouts, same-game parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook and promo code THPN. Uh, Guys, let's move on here with the Alex Carrier injury concerns. How worried are you guys about this? Fair to a lot. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said earlier, four to six – when they say four to six weeks, that's usually pretty bad. And, you know, they they really need him in this stretch coming up right now, and it's not going to be there. So, it's very concerning for sure. He's a play driver. I mean, he moves, mm-hmm. the, he moves the puck. He He's transition type of player, and we're talking about a team that has a hard time getting the puck out of the zone. It has a hard time moving the puck at times. Uh, Rich, you talked about earlier about how this team has these offensive lapses where they just – fall asleep at the wheel and nothing's happening. Alex Carrier is one of those players that uh, is very good at transitioning the puck down the yeah. ice and making the right offensive moves, the passing. Without him in the lineup, your offense, which is already very unreliable, takes yeah. an even bigger hit. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely unreliable. That's a good word. And I'm sure we'll, we will definitely get more news on it, I'm sure. Um, as we get closer to the Preds returning to the ice against the Golden Knights on February 7th. But as of right now, it's very unclear just how long we're going to be without him. You know, you get that four- to six-week designation. So, I mean, at the very least, they're definitely going to be without him for, I mean, you're looking when they get back on February 7th. They're going to at least be without him for three games. Yeah. And that's the best-case scenario because – you know, they're getting this long break here, but when they come back and play Vegas, they get another three days off after that. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a really long stretch here where they're only going to play one game. So perhaps in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, 
Alex Carrier won't miss that many games. That's yeah. my hope anyway. Yeah. Four weeks would be around when they play Boston. Oh, God, I'm not looking forward to that game. Arizona, Arizona or Boston. Yeah. So if he misses, he might miss three games, best case mm-hmm. scenario. But like we said, he could miss more like another three or four games after that. We really don't mm-hmm. know. But yep. the, the impact of the lineup without him is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's like the second pairings Roman Yossi. He really is. And he just lets Matias play so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that that is something that's very underrated about him. It's just how much better he has made Matias at home look. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Let's move yep. on to our NHL quick hitters here, guys, to wrap up this segment of episode 170 before we get on to Kyle uh, Pereira, who uh, is a scout for last word on hockey also covers Rich's second favorite team, the Tampa Bay lightning Um, with their uh, retro jerseys. Hey, he, Oh, that, that made me laugh. Your tweet about that made me laugh. Oh my Lord. Uh, That was the worst thing I've ever seen. I had never seen him before until I watched that game. I was like, what is happening? Oh, it looks like a bunch of people just took took together a bunch of materials yeah. and yeah. just like built a jersey. Yeah. They're like, "Hey, I got I got like four <laughs> or five different kinds of material. I'm going to make a jersey out of something." <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, we won't anyway. call you biased at all, though. <laughs> I know, right? But I do I like agree. Victor Hedman. I like Victor Hedman. Right, Does that count for I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to change you. I like all Victor right. Hedman. Let's get into our intro quick hitters. Bo Horvat is the first major trade of this cycle this year, really. There's been some other low-key trades, but this is the big one. Bo, Bo Horvat gets traded to the New York Islanders. The Canucks give up two pretty high-end prospects, Andy Bavillier and uh, Atu Ratu. Um, and the Canucks also take 25, 25% of Horvat's uh, cap hit. So, um, who won this trade, guys? Uh, the Canucks. Seems like it for sure. I'm a I big Arthur think... uh, Rossi fan. Yeah. So, I really wanted the Preds to draft him whenever he was drafted. So, he was all over Preds mock drafts at the time. Yeah, I'm still kind of jealous on that one, but. <laughs> I think I think it's good for the Canucks here because the Canucks realize they are who they are. They realize that they're not going anywhere right now, and they they have committed to the fact that they've got some high end assets that they need to trade, mm-hmm. and they found themselves a buyer. Although I will say the New York Islanders are a buyer that a lot of people didn't expect no. because yeah, the, a little I, weird. I, I've kind of called the Islanders the uh, Preds of the East because they play very similar. They, they're they a very um, defensive-minded team. They rely on goaltending. Uh, they're so far back in the standings right now to the point where is a Bo Horvat really worth sending away two very coveted prospects like they did? And you take on 25% of his cap hit. Um, I'm thinking they're planning for like next year. Is the only thing that makes any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. 
But he's a rental. He, I mean, most people are saying Bo Horvat's a rental. I mean, the the dude is he really going to stick around with the Islanders past this year? That's and maybe they, maybe he, maybe there's some stuff going on behind the door, behind closed doors, where the Islanders have talked to him and they feel confident that he does want to resign there. That's possible. We don't yeah. know that, but there's nothing that that's been announced that says he's going to sign long term there. But as a rental, that's a really puzzling trade for the Islanders. Especially where they're sitting in the standings at the moment. And a lot of people are saying that Bo Horvat is way outperforming his actual um, benchmark. I mean, mm-hmm. the dude's got an over 20% shooting percentage right now. He is just, he's basically on the same level of what we saw Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg last year in terms of shooting the puck and scoring. Mm. Like that's kind of where Bo Horvat's. So he struck while the iron was hot. So give all the credit to Horvat for, for getting the market up on him or whatever. Yeah, but please. from the Islanders perspective, I don't think he moves the needle that much for them. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Unless they, they have a lot more troubles than what one Bo Horvat's going to solve. Yeah, and, and I mean, and you look at the Canucks; they're they're not done here. You still got Brock Besser out there as well, who they're also trying to move. So, I mean, I think the Canucks realize the writing is on the wall. This has been a pretty disastrous season for them. They were supposed to be a lot better than they are, and they're kind of committing to the fact that you know what, it, it's time to move these people and 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 think long term here. So we'll have to wait and see how that works out. I think yeah, Brock Besser is going to get traded to get traded as well, and we'll have to see where he ends up. All right, um, NHL ratings dropped 22%. I couldn't um, even believe, believe that when I read Average viewers. Oh, I that's, can. That's according it, it, to it a report. A shocking number is what I'm getting at. It was, like, huge. Yeah, it was weird. Go ahead. That's according to a report from Mark J. Burns who is um, works for – he writes about sports and sports business for the morning consultant. Uh, he reports that NHL US TV national viewership is down 22%. NHL regular season games to date have averaged 373,000 viewers on ESPN TNT, second season of the league's seven-year pact with Disney and Turner. Last year – the NHL averaged 478,000 viewers at this point last season. Um, he does mention that a lot of this has to do with uh, time slots and it's a little skewed, but at the same time, not encouraging numbers. And I did kind of a comparison to some other leagues, major leagues. So the NFL, who we all know, that we all know the NFL rules. No, one even, no one even comes close to touching the NFL, mind you, Tom Brady has all the headlines because he retired today again. Again. But um, did you guys hear that there's speculation that his little video he filmed of himself saying he retired um, was basically like filmed like a long time ago and it was like pre-recorded? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Did you guys see the video of him? On the no, beach. I haven't watched it yet. I He's a, it's been a really big like busy day. So I didn't watch so, it. So, himself announcing his retirement and I mean he lives in Tampa so I'm like right across the bridge and I watched it this morning 
And I'm thinking, okay, if he just filmed this, the weather is not matching. Oh. Whatever the weather is like in Tampa, it's usually very similar to St. Pete. It's not always exactly the same, but it's usually pretty close. And I remember just watching it thinking, it's not Dude. that – well, the wind's like really howling in his video, and it's kind of like overca- overcast and cloudy. And when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, it's nothing like that here right now. So if he just filmed this or filmed it even a couple hours ago – um, that something's not adding up. So there's like speculation out there that it was filmed like a while ago. And sure he just like, and he re, he wanted to release it Super Bowl week. He wanted to release it to be the center of attention. Of course. Well, he yeah, wanted. he's always wanted to be the center yeah. of attention. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm Man, not a bird sure like that. You sure locked that hard. I did. I'm awesome. Not, you got your pipe out. <laughs> your pipe out and you're like, Something's not right with this video. The, the the cloud formation and the wind pressure does not match. Elementary, my dear Perkins. Where I'm at, yeah. I, I, I went full on. That, that's how I spent most of my day today, guys, was dissecting. <laughs> analyzing the Tom Brady. I didn't get any work done video. today. I didn't get any work done today. I was just analyzing that video. Uh, but that's funny. Look, anyway. looking at ratings from other leagues compared to the NHL, NFL – Average between 15 and 19 million viewers in 2022. That's compared to 330 something thousand viewers for the NHL. So, that's, I mean, that's, that's like a crazy gap. The NBA, 1.6 million viewers. That's it for, la- for last season. Wow. No, NBA's ratings have gone down. Yeah, compared to- I knew that. I knew they'd gone down some, but that's. That's we're just much. comparing. We're just comparing yeah, this to the NHL numbers. Anyway. Most college football games from the Power Five conferences, so like the major conference teams, averaged at least over one million. A lot of the big teams, like Ohio State, Alabama, they were up over like five million, six million. Wow. Um, MLB. Um, so MLB is on Fox a lot, over two million viewers. Sunday night baseball on ESPN, one and a half million viewers. So the point of the matter is the NHL is way behind when it comes to your major sports. Kyle, I, I Kyle, I know, you, I know you're chomping at the bit. He is. You have to have three or four different services to be able to watch every game of your preferred team. You're Back. blacked out from half the games if you try to watch it on a legal means uh, it's like they they're purposely making it more difficult to watch the game you've got all these ticky tack regional networks that you have to buy another app for just to be able to watch the game and pay 20 some dollars a month just to watch Preds games and it's not even all the games yep it, it's well, that I mean, might be that might be coming to an end. I saw that they were yeah, they were talking bankruptcy from Sinclair. Yeah. Bally's so, Bally's might be going out of business or going bankrupt. So yeah, that'll, that'll change no the landscape. The Bally Sports app is a disaster. It is. Yeah, it, it is for sure. Um, yeah, I think it it sucks, and you always see a lot of people complaining that the that the games are blacked out or whatever. I have. I have ESPN and I have the ability to watch 
the valleys uh, uh, yeah. south. Um, I have the ESPN Plus app, so I can yeah. watch Preds out of market. I think the issue is for most people is yeah. if you're if you're in market is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. If, yeah. if you're in market, if you're in the Preds market and you want to cut the cord, yep, it is a pain in the ass to watch Preds games right yeah, absolutely now. Absolutely, it is. Mm -hmm. So, so you have that aspect of it, and then you have the aspect of like, I can't even watch. It's hard to watch a TNT game, a game that's on TNT because of the announcers, and then the people during intermission. I can't stand to listen to those guys talk. It, they just annoy me. And then the ESPN, the ESPN people that call the, the games, they're they're not much better. I mean, it's unless you get Bucci, and Bucci is amazing. Yeah, uh, he is. But, well, Bucci's yeah. been covering the game for so long. He's the, one of the original ESPN NHL yeah. guys. Him and Steve Levy. Steve Levy mm -hmm. was was badass back in his day. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, unless you're going, unless you're going with some NHL Network guys, Kevin Weeks is amazing. Oh, Weeks, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, he is. There's but some good guys some out other, there. But. You get some of these other guys that held over from the last administration, and it's like. They don't even know the players' names. Yeah, if you're not an original well, they six team, like or whatever. Yeah, if you're not an original six team, you suck. And if you're not yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks, you suck. And you know, it's just like, it. I don't know. It's just it, well, it needs to be a little more not. I like, think there's a multitude of problems yeah. facing the NHL to lead to this this ratings dip. I I think we can throw out a bunch of reasons. One reason that I think is they're tied together, but it's this hard salary cap that makes it really hard for teams to to break away. And, you know, it's like it, it, it's that delicate balance. You don't – you want your league to be competitive. You want your league mm -hmm. to have parity. I get that. You don't want one or two or three teams dominating the league every year. Like what's uh, happening this year. Like what happens in the NBA or whatever. Um, the NBA has been really bad about it for a while where like no one wanted to watch because we knew the same two teams were going to make it every year. But mm -hmm. at the same time to push back on that, the NHL has kind of become a little bit of a league where the regular season doesn't get focused on as much by casual fans because they're more important. They're like, well, I'll be interested to see how the ratings go in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Because when the playoffs come, there's not as much competition. The NHL won't be going up, going up against NFL games uh, or whatnot. So I will be interested to see how the Stanley Cup playoffs do in terms of TV yeah. ratings, um, which ties me to my next point that I think really hurts the league, and that is the playoff format. I think the playoff format is awful. This yeah. whole top three in the division, and then you get these two wild cards and, and whatnot. I, I just think it should be one through eight – um, you give the two division winners the top two seeds. So you reward winning your division. So you get one and two, but then you do six through eight, or you can do uh, three through eight the rest of the way, regardless of division, reward the best teams, and you're in. You're mm -hmm. in. You're in. Yeah. I, I This whole two wild card system, but if you finish in the top three, yet yeah, no matter, because that. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I think it allows for front running. It it allows for overloaded divisions and it makes the regular season seem somewhat irrelevant. Cause if you look at, we just talked about it. If you look at three of the four div divisions, 
they already seem pretty settled at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's some teams you could pass here and there, but it's already been spread out. The Pacific Division is the only division where you've got a lot of competition. Yeah, where a bunch it's still close. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I think you got to go one through eight, and in each conference, you know, don't over over ex- um, make this over complicated here. Make mm-hmm. it a one through eight format. Yeah, yeah, and it's just weird because it's like. Out of all the leagues, I think the the NHL has the more likable of the players, and they it seems like they don't like push that more. I don't know, like all the all the all the players, you know, they're they're really likable, I guess. Whereas in the other sports, some of them aren't as and like it's like you need to push that more and oh. just just kind of market a little better. I don't know. It's just, the, the league does a horrible job at marketing its superstars. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean the league. The yeah. league's best player is Connor McDavid, and the dude is like a walking robot. He is a yeah, robot. I was about to say he doesn't have a personality. He no. does a lot. Now I will say he does a lot of really good things for the community. So I'm not taking anything away from him. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad dude. He's just not very marketable. I mean, they don't really market their superstars very well. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just a product of being a hockey player. Maybe hockey players don't want to be the outlandish. And I, I can respect that, honestly. I can. Yeah. It's part of, like, the hockey culture to not be some outlandish, like, whatever. But a lot of your really, like, outlandish players in the league are actually not that – I mean, I'm not saying they're not talented. They're obviously talented, or otherwise they wouldn't be yeah. playing NHL hockey. But I'm saying, like, a lot of your really, like, outlandish players in the NHL are just goons. Like, like yeah. Ryan Reeves, you know, Ryan yeah. Reeves sticks out. Like, you know, you got those guys who really mm-hmm. get under the skin and they'll be agitators. But, you know, yeah. Ovechkin kind of stands out, has always been. Ovechkin's always been very marketable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a he, he's kind of the outlier there. But most of your really great NHL players right now, unless you're a diehard fan, most of your casual fans who just watch occasionally, they couldn't even name you their top 10 most best players no. in the league right now. And that's a problem. That's a problem when only your diehard fans can name those players. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a couple of years ago, um, Austin Matthews was at a, a MMA fight with Justin Bieber and ESPN was like, Oh, look, it's Justin Bieber. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, they didn't even bring with, up Austin. Matthews. Oh, and he just has to be, happens to be with like, one of the top three best players in the NHL. What do you know? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, just that's know. horrible. Yeah, I don't know. I will say that in that same report, the NHL is apparently setting records in terms of social media engagement. So I guess they, in some ways, they might be growing on social media. I know they're they've been growing reportedly among the really young demographic. So. We'll yeah. see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Who knows? All right. Hopefully let's close out episode 170 really quick, guys. It's a really fun little quick little segment here um, to round out this episode uh, and get to our interview with Kyle Pereira of Last Word on Hockey. Uh, coolest NHL players. Not the best. Not the most talented. Just the coolest. Jackie Redman, who uh, does work for NHL Network. She is one of the good ones. She's amazing. Love her content. She put out a really good question on Twitter the other day asking uh, just who is the coolest player, the most savvy, just Hmm. the most. And I said it's easy, but I'm also biased, but Roman Yossi. Even if I wasn't a fan of the Predators, I would probably have to say Roman Yossi. Who are some other cool players? 
I think Pasternak's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what he's one of the ones I was going to say. He always dresses uh, not funny, but like he, he's dressed really well all the games. Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, some people would say Patrick uh, Line, but I don't know. He looks like he's in some kind of 80s. Uh, not disco, but uh, what is it? Electronic cover band or something. I don't know. Can I pick somebody recently retired? Oh, absolutely. Of course, yeah. Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, yeah. yeah, He was was bad. He looked like an old, like, um, Egyptian or not Egyptian. He looked like an old, like, um, like mythical king. (laughs) Sleek back hair. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you can't get much cooler than that. That's he is, like he is he's smooth. the George Strait of hockey. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good one. I think that that's good. Um, yeah, for the Predators, it's definitely got to be Roman Yossi. I don't know, Phil. Phil is cool. Phil's he's, cool because he's got the mustache. He's a gamer. Yeah. I mean, he's a big he's gamer. on the moped. He's on the moped. The, the, the mini bike, sure. rather. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, lives in uh, an apartment that you can see Bridgestone from the window. I mean, just living the life that a guy for sure. I'm gonna throw yeah. another one out there. I'm gonna throw two out there. I actually do think that uh, Alex Ovechkin's one of the coolest oh, he's all, yeah. players out there. He's not just mm-hmm. talented, but he's cool. He's got the gray look to him now, which mm-hmm. I think he ro- he rocks it very very well. Like I mean, he he's he's rolling around with like this, like metallic steel, like gray hair, but he still yeah. look he still makes it work. He still looks so freaking cool. Yeah. yeah. So I got to throw him in there. That's a good uh, one for sure. I got to throw another one in there. And even though I don't, I still question his decision to ever go to Columbus. But Johnny Goudreau, I, I always thought Johnny G was such a cool player. Like yeah. the way he skates, he's like the little guy, but he can score these really crazy mm-hmm. goals. He's fast. He's he's electric. He's fun. He's kind of fallen by the wayside going to Columbus. I'm not saying he won't yeah. resurface eventually, but everyone's kind of forgotten about Johnny G because he plays for one of the worst teams in the league now. And even at the time, even at the time, we were like, he picked where? He picked where to go? Yeah. But yeah. I still think he's cool. I still think yeah. Johnny G is up there. Johnny yep. Hockey. Johnny Hockey is one of my coolest players. Johnny Hockey. There you go. That's a good one. All right. Good Let, let's move on. We're getting to Kyle Pereira of Last Word on Hockey. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff. More stuff. We're going to touch on some stuff we already talked about in this episode. Everyone, this is we're done with the live portion here right now if you're watching yep. on YouTube. Go download the podcast the next day. Until then, stay tuned for our interview with Kyle Pereira of Last Word on Hockey. Thanks for watching the live broadcast. This is episode 170 of Catfish and Ice, presented by Raycon, Earbuds, and DraftKings, promo codes THPN. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a eight-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, 
you'll get a free bet back. It's that simple. It's that easy. And the odds are stacked in your favor with NBA action with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. There are some really great games out there right now. NBA is really picking up. There's plenty of games to choose from. Uh, get in on that action. You got the you got some great teams out there. You got LeBron out there doing his thing for the Lakers. You got you got the Grizzlies and Ja Morant. You got, still got the Warriors and Steph Curry. You got so many good teams out there. So many NBA games out there to choose from. So you need to take advantage this week of our offer. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars on the NBA and get two hundred in free bets. Instantly, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. Please see our show notes below for details on if you have a gambling crisis and need gambling assistance. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Catfish on Ice, episode 170. I have a really awesome guest joining the show. His name is Kyle Pereira. He covers, he scouts for Last Word on Hockey and also covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. Really, really happy to have him hop on board here. Uh, before we do that, we are presented by DraftKings and also Raycon Wireless Earbuds. You see the promo code down below, promo code THPN, if you're listening right now then it's promo code THPN to go get those offers right now. Kyle, how are you doing this afternoon, man? I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to be on here. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you. We've got a lot to get into. This is one of the best times of year right now. If you're a fan, if you do the writing aspect of it, if you cover teams, this is one of the most exciting times of year, at least for me, because there's so much going on. you got the trade deadline, which is about a month away. We've got some teams that are not playing up to their preseason expectations. We got other teams that are playing much better than people thought. So we got plenty to get into for this segment. But first, before we get into all that, tell our listeners kind of how you got into covering hockey and kind of what you got going on here um, this season. So I've always been passionate about hockey growing up. Um, so it was one of those sports that it was easy for me to have a passion to make it. Um, I was never good enough to make it as a player. Um, so I took the next best step, and that was to make it as a writer. I enjoyed writing. I uh, started writing when I was 15 years old, um, so I have, I've i have been in it for a while, and just every year I try to take it the next step, take it up a level, and um, it all started when I first started writing with Josh Tesler and uh, Tony Ferrari, so some oh, yeah, that's really cool. in the industry. Yeah. Uh, they brought me on and took me under their wing, so I have a lot of experience with them. Uh, great start. I couldn't have asked for a better start with those guys. Um, and then I worked my way onto fan sided, got more experience and was kind of on my own. So I was under the big names that I mentioned. Now I'm kind of taking it my own path and making a name for myself. And of course, landed with Last Word on Sports, which has Ben Kerr, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Um, he's one of the bigger names as a scout as well. So I've learned from a lot of great guys, um, have fine tuned my writing ability and have always tried expanding. Um, so my passion just keeps on building year after year. So I'm very cool. A lot of fun. So we are fellow fansiders because, of course, I uh, I'm a side expert for Predlines.com. So I think that's actually how we kind of connected originally was we were both um, uh, writing for fansided. So um, awesome yeah. stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, and also for our listeners, go follow uh, Kyle at Pereira 
underscore report. That's P-E-R-E-I-R-R-A underscore report. Go follow him on Twitter. Let's dive into this. As I mentioned, we are about a month away now. We're into February. We're about a month away from the March 3rd trade deadline. It's my favorite time of year. I love. I can't get enough of the speculation articles. You got all the big time writers out there putting out their top 25 trade board. I can't get enough of it. It's actually one of my favorite things to cover every year. So let's get into it. Uh, I want to get some of your thoughts first, uh, Kyle, on who do you think are going to be some of the more active teams at the deadline in terms of trying to upgrade their roster and try to make that final piece or two on their team to put them over the top to maybe win a Stanley Cup? So for teams that are definitely you know going in and trying to upgrade you know the competitive teams in the NHL right now, two teams definitely come to mind right away, uh, and it's the New Jersey Devils and the Boston Bruins. Uh, the Devils are obviously a young team, uh, kind of out of nowhere, completely smashing um, what was expected of them out the window with how they performed early on. And, you know, a lot of fans, I saw Devils fans all over Twitter, especially the Brat Pack, just waiting, you know, for them to finally collapse again. Mm. Um, and they haven't, you know, they had a little bit of a rough patch for a couple weeks and then they bounced right back. So definitely a team that's looking to grow and become better, add more experience to their young core. And so they're definitely a team to watch. I've seen them connected heavily to Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks. Um, don't know if you've seen, but they, uh, Timo Meyer is currently vacationing with a few uh, Devils players. I believe it's in Mexico or somewhere in Central America. I'm not sure off the top of my head. He's, va- hmm. he's vacationing with some Devils players, and that is massive news. Whether yes. that actually means anything or if he's just as buddies hanging out with those guys, still find it important to note that. Um, so the Devils are definitely a team to watch to make one of the bigger splashes. Um, and then, of course, the Boston Bruins. What they've What they're doing is historic. Um, really is yeah oh we haven't seen it since you know tampa bay and look what happened to them this blows what the lightning did those few years ago out of the water uh not Mm -hmm. even the lightning started off this well um they're on in a class of their own at this point um yeah i think i i think i saw that they're on pace to definitely have the highest point total in nhl history oh yeah Uh, 100 percent and uh, that's a scary thought that they have cap space too to work with <laughs> on their side, which is just crazy. The crazy so. thing about the Boston Bruins is, you know, a lot of people were unsure of them going into the season. They figured, you know, they'd be a decent team, maybe a playoff bubble team. But I mean, you got Linus Olmark, who's uh, a leading Vesna Trophy candidate right now, which we're, we're going to talk about the awards races a little bit later in this segment. But, yeah, I mean, Pasternak is on another level. I mean, he pretty much is a walking two- or three-point-per-game type of player at this point. Um, It's a really fun team to watch, obviously. So that's great for the NHL. And, yeah, they're definitely going to probably make a move at the deadline for sure. Um, What about this Bo Horvat deal? Uh, I know that's the most recent thing to maybe get the chips falling here. I, I cannot understand for the life of me why the Islanders thought it was a good deal for them. It seems kind of like a major risk and not a high reward. I don't know if a Bo Horvat's going to do enough to really make that big of a difference for that team. I don't know. What do you see out of that trade? So I think, you know, on a just a surface level, um, they are only giving up one NHL guy in Beauvillier who really was disgruntled, wasn't really working out. So they upgrade their roster um, as of today, of course. However, when it comes to Bo Horvat, he is currently on an unsustainable shooting percentage. 
He's not going to keep scoring at the level that he's been doing with the Canucks. He was motivated because he was on a contract year. But whenever you change teams, doesn't matter how motivated you are, that's going to have an impact, negative or positive, on your point production. And when you look at a team like the Islanders, their system and just historically, well, not historically, but I guess recent memory, they've never been an offensive team. Their structure is based on strong defensive acumen. That's not really Bo Horvat's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see him really finding success with the Islanders. I just I can't really see that happening. Um, he's still a great player and I think he can absolutely prove me wrong, but I just don't see the fit with the Islanders and what they gave up a first round pick in a really good draft, whether it's protected or not, they're still up in the air. I know the, the, they can choose to protect it. If it's top 12, they also can say, yeah, you can have it. If it's not, if it's top 12, not really sure. It's a confusing aspect of the trade. Um, but then Alturatu as well. Not sure why they'd give up their literal best prospect um, in their organization for a guy who probably won't even be on the team next year um, and probably won't find success, you know, in the long run if he does stay. So just a very confusing trade for the end. It really is. And, you know, when you bring up their system and me, you know, this is obviously a Nashville Predators podcast and Predators fans can understand from an Islanders perspective because the Predators are very much the same type of historically defensive-minded, hard for checking, rely on great goaltending to get you over the finish line type of team. I see the Islanders is the same style of team in a lot of ways, uh, and they've got a great goaltender in Sorokin to their own to their own benefit. But that's why I look at it, and I'm thinking from a Predators perspective, if we were to do this same exact trade and brought on a Bo Horvat, I would feel the exact same way. I would be thinking, okay, we just gave up a couple prospects for the future that could make us better to get a likely rental, and I don't see him translating that offensive game to the system of the Predators. And so I look at it from that perspective for the Islanders as well, and so that's what makes the trade so confusing, as you said. And you also brought up Horvat's crazy shooting percentage of yeah he's at a 21.7 shooting percentage that's not very sustainable long term interesting all right what about here's a team that's really sticking out to me that's going to just be heavy sellers and it's going to be really interesting to see where all the chips fall that's the chicago blackhawks i mean you've they've got several players that are being thrown around in trade rumors let's start with the big fish in the pond obviously which is uh, patrick kane obviously not anywhere near the superstar high level that he once was but he's still a great team he's going to make another team better where could you see patrick kane ending up in all this so i mentioned the boston bruins earlier um and i've seen I've seen connections to Boston and uh, that'd be a great piece for the Bruins mm-hmm. to add. I know Pasternak has fit in really well alongside of Krejci. Marshawn and Bergeron are an inseparable pair. Um, and then you have Taylor Hall, Jake DeBrusque as other wingers that can fill in on the top or second line. If they add a guy like Patrick Kane, they can rotate wingers first, second, third line is all top six caliber. Uh, maybe even first line caliber, depending on how they kind of structure it. Um, so that team right there would be scary. Um, yeah, they're already scary. Oh, yeah. You just add so, him into the mix then. Especially like you look at their situation and just how well they're playing. If they can add a dynamic player, it doesn't matter how good he is or bad he is defensively. If you pair him with a guy like Bergeron, you're not going to see his, his you know lack of ability in the defensive zone. Bergeron will 
eliminate that that weakness uh, pretty quickly. So he would be a phenomenal fit on the Bruins. And while he hasn't had a great year, um, you know, there's no lying about that. He hasn't really worked out too well this year. I'm sure the Blackhawks wished, you know, he played a little bit better. They could maybe get more value out of him. Um, but I don't think the Bruins care. With his skill set, how he plays the game, I can only imagine the damage that he could do alongside of Bergeron and Marshawn or Krejci and, and uh, Hall. So, or excuse me, Pasternak. So mm-hmm. it, that would be an absolutely dynamic, dynamic top six in Boston if they can pull that off. You add a Patrick Kane to the mix, or and, and that, like you're saying, then that team's just going to come at you in wave after wave after wave. You throw in Olmark and Net, who is – Easily a top three Vesna contender. He's leading the league in goals saved above expected right now. Uh, then suddenly you are you've got that one two punch of a great elite goaltender and a team that can come at you in waves and put up four or five goals on you easily. I just don't see how anyone will be able to beat them in a seven game series, even if they don't get Patrick Kane. Uh, but some other players, Blackhawks. You got Max Domi. You got Jonathan Taze. Uh, Jonathan Taze is another one, longtime Blackhawks player, and a Blackhawks all-time great, obviously. Where could he end up? You've got some other players. But, yeah, the Blackhawks are going to be major, major sellers, most likely. Uh, what about Jacob Chickering? Let's talk about him. He has been in these trade rumors since it seems like the dawn of time. Like, I mean, it's almost to the point where it's like, you know, the the rumors out there say that the Coyotes asking price is just way, way, way too high because Chickering's still a very young player and still has a lot to prove in this league. I don't know if you agree with me on that, Kyle, but I do think he's going to probably end up somewhere if Arizona's willing to come down a little bit. What what do you what do you see happening with that with Chickering? I I haven't really seen much in terms of specific teams that he could go to. Um mainly because it took a while for him to fully recover from that injury in the off season. Um, you know, so Chickren's an interesting one. I don't doubt that he has the potential to be a really, really good defenseman one day in the NHL. He showed that when he was fully healthy, I believe it was 20, the 2021 season uh, when he had a, you know, big second half of the year uh, and almost ended up being a Norris trophy candidate at mm-hmm. one point. Um, so obviously the potential is there. The skill is there 100%. There's no doubting that. Uh, but again, it's health. Health is a big issue. And on top of that, as you mentioned, the Coyotes asking price is massive, uh, for a guy, uh, like Chickren, who really has only had one year where he's proven he can be a top pair defender. So, um, it's definitely a risky move for any team that decides to pull the trigger on a guy like him. Um, but it could pay dividends in the long run. Um, again, barring his health, of course, um, I'm not again. I I don't. I can't put them to a specific team. I'm not really sure off the top of my head what teams would make the most sense because you know a guy a team like the Lightning wouldn't be able to afford it. The Avalanche with all their you know guys coming back from injury, they won't really be able to afford it. The Golden Knights they always make moves, but they're kind of bare right now because of all the trades they've made in the past. Um, Hurricanes could maybe pull it off. It, it could, just it gets complicated. Yeah, I could see yeah. the Hurricanes do it. It does get complicated. Chickering's a four point six million dollar cap hit until the 2024-25 season. So you're going to have to, you know, I mean, that could end up being a bargain. You know, $4.6 million is pretty low. But, again, you're you're definitely rolling the dice if you're going to go after uh, a Jacob Chicken. And I think that's why no one's pulled the trigger yet. And that's why the, I think the Coyotes might have to um, be willing to not get as much back in return 
uh, we'll see. Okay, so that's kind of what we got going there for the trade deadline. Of course, uh, there's more that's going to come uh, in the coming month, month here uh, on, on Catfish on Ice, talking more about the deadline. One more question I got. Since you do cover the Lightning, I got to ask you, what do you think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to do um, at the trade deadline if they do anything? Do they stand pat? Are they pretty satisfied with the roster they have? Or do you think maybe they're another team that could maybe be a, uh, be a buyer? So – Having tracked uh, a handful of games this year from from the Lightning, and I will continue to do so and have a better understanding of the team, um, I've been well-connected. And I can say that they shouldn't be satisfied. If they are, they really shouldn't be satisfied with the roster that they have this year. They're playing perfectly fine. It's not like they're out of the playoff race. It's almost guaranteed at this point that they'll play the Leafs uh, based on how everything's gone and how the Atlantic Division's lining up. So it's not that they shouldn't be satisfied with their season so far, but their roster is not great. Defensively, the guys that they signed or traded for in the offseason have not really panned out well. Uh, a few depth forwards have struggled this year. Pierre-Edouard Bellamar, for right or wrong reasons, has been coming under fire from uh, from Lightning fans um, constantly, it feels like now. Um, Vladislav Nemesnikov hasn't really worked out well either. Um, so... They really shouldn't be satisfied. I think come playoff time, they could get exposed for some of their deficiencies on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, Cal Foot has really fallen out of favor fast here in Tampa. Um, Ian Cole is just abysmal. I can't stand watching that guy play. I really can't. Uh, Hayden Fleury's been inconsistent. Nick Perbix doesn't have the experience that Julian Brisbois likes. Uh, Sergachev's been wholly inconsistent this year. Hedman's kind of regressed a bit. Um, so just their, their team needs help, um, in any capacity, really, I'd love for them to make a couple of, you know, depth moves just to shore up a little bit because they do have the core to win, but they shouldn't be satisfied and shouldn't stand pat, um, this year. I don't think. Yeah, I, I definitely agree from afar on that statement. I think the lightning, you know, they're not the dominant team they once were. They're still a very good quality team. Of course, when you get in the playoffs, anything can happen, especially when you got Andre Vasilevsky in net. So I think as long as they're not reckless on it, they should definitely be um, be buyers at the deadline if the right deal comes in place to boost their roster. Like you said, becoming a deeper roster for the playoffs is very, very important um, to get through the seven-game grind of each round. So – I'm going to be really focused on what the Lightning do in particular uh, at the deadline to see how how aggressive they are in that. Let's move on here. Again, we're being joined by Kyle Pereira of Last Word on Hockey. He's a scout, and he also follows the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, let's get into – first, got to ask you, as a Predators guy, how are Lightning fans dealing with life after – Ryan McDonough. I know that the Lightning didn't want to lose McDonough. It wasn't one of those trades where the Lightning were ready to move on. It was just a cap casualty. It happens, and the Predators were the were the the lucky recipients of that. And um, I can say from from our perspective, we the fan base absolutely adores Ryan McDonough. Everything we heard about him has been as good as advertised in terms of his. The way he carries himself on and off the ice, he is just the true professional. Um, within the first day or two that he was in Nashville, he was already doing things in the community to make a positive impact. So I can't say enough about him. He grinds his butt off on the penalty kill. He blocks shots. He does the things that sometimes get overlooked in the box score. Um, but 
Uh, how is life after Ryan McDonough for uh, for Tampa Bay fans? So as I mentioned, um, you know, Ian Cole, Hayden Flurry, Fleet Myers is down in the AHL, Cal Foot, um, Hedman regressing, Sergeyev being inconsistent. It's all linked to their defensive zone abilities, um, where a lot of the problem, a lot of the issues lie. Um, and I would be wrong not to say that losing McDonough was probably the biggest reason for that. I think it's a massive reason. There was also a coaching change. Obviously, Derek Lalonde went to Detroit. That also plays a massive difference. The structure of the defensive uh, defensive zone um, is different. Um, but I think losing McDonough is definitely a move that Lightning fans still to this day don't like. Um, I had a Leafs fan earlier today tell you know talk about how all oh, they forced McDonough out and it was a bad move. Look at them now, and I couldn't agree more. Although they didn't force him out, as you mentioned, it was a cap casualty. It happens, but. I would say that Lightning fans are definitely not happy still to this day, uh, losing McDonough. He was a massive piece to our defense. Him and Eric Chernak were the shutdown pair. They'd get all the tough minutes. It opened up opportunities for Hedman. It opened up opportunities for Sergachev. It even took some weight off of Calfoot's shoulders and gave him a chance to develop a little bit further. Um, I would say that it's, you know, it opened up an opportunity for a guy like Nick Perbix to come in and really be impressive. Um, but Sergachev has been wildly inconsistent. Uh, when he's faced top competition, he's struggled at times, and other times he's been fine. Nick Perbix, same thing. He struggled at times, and other times he's been fine. But McDonough was always steady. Um, you never had to worry when he was on the ice. He wouldn't make mistakes that would cost the team a goal. He wouldn't make mistakes that would cost the team a game. Um, on the penalty kill, like you mentioned, he was constantly just in shooting lanes, willing to block shots. We actually uh, we actually lost him for a short stint earlier this season. I don't know if you remember coming across it or seeing it, but he threw himself in a um in a shot lane right in front of Soros to block a shot, and it ended up hitting him in the face. The puck hit him in the face, and I think he missed. I can't remember how many games. It was a handful of games, uh, but he does stuff like that, and I, I call him an anchor, and I mean that in a very positive way. The guy is a defensive anchor for the de- for 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 everyone else, like as the root cause for a defensive breakdown, if ever. And uh, again, his locker room presence is, is the biggest thing for me as well. So, um, so do you actually think the lightning could have done more to maybe keep him and they could have worked around it and figured out another way, like jump through some hoops to figure out a way to keep him? Um, in looking back, they used their cap space to bring back Nemesnikov after a few years away from the team. Um, they also used it to bring in Ian Cole, Hayden Flurry, Philippe Myers, of course, was a part of that deal. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, losing McDonough was a necessity in terms of, you know, the financials and everything, but what they spent the money on afterwards, definitely questionable, I would say. Um, maybe they could have done more to hang on to McDonough for at least one more season. You know, eventually they're going to have to move on, um, especially, you know, next year with Sergeyev's extension kicking in um and a few others kicking in Sorelli so it would have had to happen eventually um but based on how they use the cap space that they received this year from McDonough um on top of you know what you know just what they spent it on was just not really worth it I wish they held on to McDonough for at least this season for one last run Mm -hmm. um and especially because Nick Perbix kind of came out of nowhere and made a name for himself this year with McDonough there could have been three really strong pairs on Tampa um 
Hedman may not have regressed as noticeably because he wouldn't have had to deal with the tougher minutes. Same goes with Sergachev. The Sergachev perfect pairing is really good. They could have had third line minutes or third pair minutes while still, you know, balancing it out, but they could have been much better off had they held on to McDonough for just one more season rather than signing guys like Nemesnikov and Cole who really haven't worked out to this point. All right. Interesting stuff there. All right. Being joined by Kyle Pereira, scout and covers the lightning for last word on hockey. Follow him at Pereira underscore report on Twitter. Let's move along and look at the awards race races between the Vesna trophy and the Norris trophy. We're going to focus on those two. Let's start with the Vesna race. It's a super crowded race this year. Um, I don't think you can, even though Linus Allmark is probably the leader right now, just because the Bruins are so good and his numbers are equally really, really impressive. It's not like the Bruins are winning in despite of bad goaltending. No, they're also getting really quality goaltending. So you got to put Olmark up there. Let's let, let's run around. Let's run through some guys that might have a chance to give Olmark a run for his money. Um, as a Predators fan, I got to bring up UC Soros. I want to get your perspective from the outside looking in, non-biased, if you will, because uh, you don't cover the team. Um, what, what, do you think UC Soros has a Vesna in his future, if not this year? I certainly think he does, um, and I think he could – it all depends on how well the Predators end up doing in the standings. If the Predators don't make the playoffs, then Soros is, you know, he's not going to win a Vesna, obviously. But if he can continue to put this team on his back and the Predators make the playoffs despite all of their deficiencies, they have a lot of them on that roster, unfortunately. If he can be the primary reason he gets them back to the playoffs, I think he, at the very least, gets another uh, nomination. I am a big believer in UC Saros. I always have been. Um, one of my favorite goalies, uh, you know, in the league, just across the league, one of my favorites. I love watching him. He's so athletic and he's so smart with his movements too. You know, you look at a guy like UC Saros, what's the biggest difference between him and a guy like Vasilevsky or Igor Shesterkin? And that's his size. He's, yes, he's much smaller. And so to overcome that, he has to be smarter. He has to be faster. He has to be more flexible. He has to do all the little things better than everybody else just to be equal to those guys. So the traits that he possesses are elite. The vision, elite. The athleticism, elite. I think he, if he was six foot two, I think he would be the best goaltender in the league right up there with Vasilevsky every single year. I genuinely think he would have multiple Vesna trophies throughout his career, if he was a little bit bigger. He has to overcome that. I think he still has a chance of winning a Vesna. It's going to be difficult um, with guys like Vasilevsky still in his prime, so he's still got a few years left of potentially winning the Vesna. Ilya Sorokin's a guy that's breaking out this year for the Islanders. He is going to have a lot of years' worth of Vesna Trophy uh, opportunities. Igor Shesterkin's still young with the Rangers. Um, you know, then you have guys like Pyotr Kochikov of, of Carolina, who is having a, or was having a great rookie season. I believe he's still down in the AHL right now with Carolina's goalies getting healthy. Uh, he could potentially, you know, press for some Vesna trophies in the future. Um, and there's just generally speaking, a lot of young guys coming up um, in the future and currently this season who could challenge for Vesna trophies. So it's not going to be easy. Um, never is easy to win a mm -hmm. Vesna, especially. This is a big goalie boom in the NHL, it feels like. Um, mm -hmm. But Saros absolutely has the skill level to win one, at least one, before he retires. 
It really is a big goalie boom. I like how you mentioned that. There are so many great goalies in this league right now. And scoring is up as well. So you get the best of both worlds. You get those high-scoring games. I know a lot of fans love that. But you still get those goalie duels as well. Uh, I'm sure the Predators fans would like to see more of the high-scoring, thrilling wins and less of the goalie duels where Soros has to put his team on his back and put up the 40-save performance every game. But unfortunately, that's just... Uh, Predators fans are actually used to that at this point, probably. If you've been watching this team for longer than it, one year than you're used to with all those years with uh, Pecorine. Um, I, I got to mention Connor Hellebuck, too, here. Um, I mean, I think he is right up there with uh, Soros in terms of workload and having to just – I know the Jets have kind of sprouted a little bit offensively, but, I mean, Hellebuck is another one of those goaltenders that gets the very most for his team. And he gets a lot of saves. He gets a lot of starts. He gets plenty of moments to win games for the Jets. The Jets are right up there near the top of the Central Division. So I could definitely see Hellebuck ending up, ending up taking it from Allmark. Um, and then you got Jake Ottinger as well. No one can overlook Jake Ottinger yeah. uh, in the Central Division. I don't think he wins one this year, but he's definitely another future Vesna candidate. Let's talk about the Norris, another crowded race. Of course, you cover the Lightning, so you, we know all about great defensemen when it comes to Victor Hedman. He's regressed a little bit this year. Um, it, how about Eric Carlson? The guys found the Fountain of Youth. Clearly, uh, 66 points this year in 55 games. He leads, um, let's see, the next the next closest D-man behind him is 11 points behind him, and that's Rasmus Dahlin. You know, I hate the whole offensive award thing. It seems like whoever, whichever defeat, defenseman gets the most points ends up winning. I hate that criteria, but unfortunately that seems to always be the case. Do you think anyone can challenge uh, Eric Carlson, uh, Kyle? I think there's a couple um, that come to mind. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, as you mentioned, is the second most points on the uh, among defensemen this year. Um, he's been f- fantastic with Buffalo. Probably not the biggest, but definitely one of the biggest reasons why Buffalo is, is you know, right on the border of making the playoffs to this point. You know, I, Sabres fans are not used to playing meaningful games this late into the season. So for them to, you know, get to witness that big reason behind it is Rasmus Dahlin. I think he could absolutely challenge Eric Carlson. Um, You also have to take into account, you know, if Carlson does get traded, um, you never know what role he'll play on his next team. You never know if he'll, you know, continue this, you know, line of production that he's had with San Jose. You don't know how it'll disrupt him positively or negatively. Um, You also have to take into account, you know, his health. He hasn't really had a healthy season up until this year, and the year is still, you know, halfway through. Um, So this, you know, anything can happen between now and the end of the season regarding Carlson's health, which obviously you never wish for something like that to happen. But, you know, it's a definite possibility that he could deal with some sort of ailment before the end of the year, and that's always a big concern. Um, So I think there's definitely a chance for a guy like Rasmus Dahlin um, to maybe jump him in the Norris Trophy voting. But then there's also guys like Adam Fox, Cal McCarr. Of course, those guys are always going to get a look in the Norris Trophy voting. And then there's some of the, you know, under-the-radar guys. I look at Boston with Hampus Lindholm and the season he's having. He's having a great year. Charlie McAvoy, yes, he missed a big portion of the beginning of the year, but he's come right in and he hasn't missed a beat, and he's looked fantastic with Boston. Um, so there's a few guys that I could see challenged for the Norris this year uh, with Carlson. Um, but as of right now, I feel as though Deline's going to be the one who might 
get the best crack yeah. at it as it stands. And perhaps the, uh, you know, the really casual hockey fan outside of Buffalo might not even know a ton about Darlene yet. He's kind of rising and becoming that more of a household name lately. Um, so I'm glad you brought him up. He's definitely right there with Carlson and with the trade things looming. And you talk about the Buffalo Sabres, one of the most offensive prolific teams in the league this year. So he's getting all those opportunities to, to pile up the points, 24 power play points for Darlene this year which uh, looks like that leads all defensemen. So, yeah, keep an eye on Darlene. I like Josh Morrissey a lot for the Winnipeg Jets. He doesn't get brought up a lot, but we see him a lot in the Central Division. Um, so, yeah, Adam Fox, plenty of good guys out there. So, the awards race, as always, especially the Norris and the Vesna. We're not going to even talk about the Hart Trophy because, um, I mean, there's this man named Connor McDavid that just makes that race not even interesting anymore because he's just like a video game, walking video game. Um, but, yeah, all right. Let's move on here. Let's get to our final segment with Kyle Pereira here to wrap up episode 170 of Catfish on Ice brought to you by Raycon Wireless Earbuds and also, of course, DraftKings. Get exclusive offers with both of them with our promo code THPN. Let's talk about the 2023 draft. I know you specialize in scouting, so I can't wait for you to educate myself and all of our listeners on some early look at the top of the draft board. Let's start with the Connor Bedard hype, which I know fully that it's real and that it's not overblown. Watching Connor Bedard is his YouTube clips and his highlights. I mean, it's just watch, watching him at the world juniors a couple, a couple weeks ago was amazing for team Canada. The dude's special. First of all, talk about Bedard and what makes him so special. Maybe for some people who have been living under a rock and don't know about Connor Bedard yet. And then, and then kind of move, we'll move on to some other top prospects in the draft. Yeah, like you mentioned, the hype train is absolutely real with Connor Bedard. Um, yeah, I've been scouting um, since I want to say twenty the twenty eighteen draft. I've really gotten into it. Um, man, he's by far. I wouldn't even say it's particularly close. The best prospect I've ever scouted in depth. Um, it's not even close. I, for a kid, he's got a late birthday, um, so he's one of the youngest kids in this draft class, which is unbelievable to think about with all he's done. Uh, he's played over the last three years um, in the CHL, uh, or excuse me, the WHL, and not one season did he finish below a point per game. That's 15 years old, 16 years old, and of course this year at 17 years old, he's never finished below a point per game uh, in the WHL, which is just mind-blowing. Um, he's been an absolute like just a dynamic presence for team Canada at every single international tournament he's played in. It feels like um, he is special. He's as close to perfect as a prospect can get, especially when he's as young as he is one of the youngest guys in the class. Uh, he can shoot his NHL, his shot is NHL ready. I'm convinced that he can come in and be able to beat an NHL level goalie consistently with the shot that he has, the power, the accuracy, the release, the shot selection, all of it. Um, his playmaking abilities are fantastic. Although I'd like to see him use his teammate a little bit more, pass the puck a little bit more. Doesn't have to, but you know, at the next level, you want to see him pass the puck a little bit more than he currently does in juniors. Either way, his playmaking ability is dynamic. He pushes the pace. He puts the puck in high danger spots. He can stick handle better than just about everybody else at the WHL level. And it opens up opportunities for not just himself, but it also buys time for his teammates to get open in those high danger areas, which he can hit them with passes, pinpoint accurate passes for them to score goals. 
So his offensive game is as good as it gets uh, for a kid his age. Um, defensively, he's got the makings of a guy who can be at least decent uh, as a two-way forward, which is for guys with his caliber of offense, it's very, very rare mm. to say, oh, yeah, and his defensive game is good. Especially at um, his age. Yes, 100%. Because, you know, they want to focus on the offense. They want to score on scoring the flashy goals, ending up on highlight reels. So to, for him to also have that part of his game somewhat down as well is is, is very impressive. It's, yeah, especially because of how good his offense is. You look at guys like uh, Nikita Kucherov on the Tampa Bay Lightning or Alex Ovechkin on Washington's an even better example. They're not very good defensively. Um, but Connor Bedard is. And to add mm. his offensive abilities to that, that is a terrifying combination. And transitionally, he uses not just his brain and his hands, but also his skating ability. He's very elusive. He's got incredible edge work where you can just weave through traffic like it was nobody's business. Uh, and can just rack up zone entries like you wouldn't believe and generate so many scoring chances off the rush. He is so exciting and as close, like I said, as close to a perfect as a prospect can get. I really don't have any gripes about his game at all. So do you think that the comparisons are fair to him being the best prospect since Connor McDavid? Do you think that's fair? Do you think his game compares to Connor McDavid, or is there another current NHL player you would more closely compare Bedard's game too. So stylistically, uh, based on like offense and transitional abilities, not defense. Um, I've seen this comparison, so it's not original thought that um, I'm giving right now, but I a hundred percent agree with it. Comparing him to Nick. Um, he's not the biggest. He's, you know, a little bit on the smaller side. I think he's you compare five, him to five, K- Nikita Kucherov. You said, yeah. Okay. Um, so he stands, I think five ten and about one seventy five, one eighty. Um, so he isn't the biggest guy on the ice, but the biggest reason why a lot of people compare him to Kucherov is his combination of high IQ and ability to read defenses paired with his stick handling ability. Um, Kucherov does such an amazing job blending his stick handling and his processing abilities. And he's also really good transitionally, although it's kind of overshadowed because of Braden Point uh, and his dominance in the neutral zone. But he can really pull his weight there, too. And Connor Bedard looks very similar to Kucherov in the offensive end of things. But, yes, I think it's very safe to assume that he is the best prospect since Connor McDavid, 100%. Mm, Interesting. All right, let's move on to some other uh, top prospects. I've heard uh, that this is definitely one of the better draft classes since before COVID, I would say. And I would say that's mostly due to scouts can finally get in there and do their work. We're finally getting to see full minor league seasons uh, and plenty of game tape. We weren't seeing enough of the game tape there for a while due to the pandemic. Uh, So would you say that there's a lot of really, really good high end talent in this draft class at the top? And it's even aside from Connor Bedard. Oh, 100%. I could give you about three names that would likely go first overall in most of the drafts that we've had the last three years. It's that stacked at the top. Nice. Love it. All right, let's hear some of those names. So one name um, is, of course, Adam Fantilli. Uh, He would be number one in just about every draft outside of maybe the Matthews draft. Uh, Honestly, he's that good. Uh, and he's a little overshadowed. He plays in the NCAA. He has over 40 points or 40 points in 22 NCAA games as a true freshman wow. with the University of Michigan, which is just absurd to think about for an 18-year-old kid to just step into Division One NCAA hockey with one of the best programs and a very good roster without him 
to just be the top guy on that team is ridiculous to me. Kyle, first of all, can I just say, you're not building the case for me when I've been trying to tell all my Predators, uh, fellow Predators fans, that that we shouldn't tank, that we should try to win every game because you're telling me about this great draft class. <laughs> We've already talked about Bedard. Now we're talking about this other guy, this defenseman who's you know running through the NCAAs. And i got to convince these Predators fans that winning is still a good thing and we don't need to tank. We should still want this team to win. But you're making my case very, very <laughs> difficult right now, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. And hey, all Predators, fans, Predators fans that are pushing for a rebuild, I don't see why you'd want to do that. You guys have a good roster. There's no need to, to change that. But there's no losing when it comes to, to this draft class. I'm going to be mm. honest. There's, there's so many incredible prospects that could go as you mentioned before we started there they usually land between 12 and 15 there are a lot of guys that you would be very happy with at that range and if they finish lower you know obviously that's not what you guys are probably hoping for of course but if they did finish lower there are just it's just a such a good draft class yeah um it's a it's, big it's so it's a big argument going on among the fan base right now of should we just hope for a for a top 10 lottery pick, or should we still try to make the playoffs again? It would be their ninth straight year of making the playoffs. And only, only one time have they made it to the conference finals and made it to the actual Stanley cup final. And so I think fans are just very, very exhausted. They're very tired of seeing the same tired result of losing in the first round. I think the avalanche sweeping them last year for the first time in the franchise's history to be swept in the playoffs was just a big, reckoning day of reckoning for this fan base they realize how far the gap is between the predators and the the most elite teams in the league and so that was just a big wake-up call there and so now fans are are they're they're done with the uh making the wild card getting in the first round and getting beaten five or six games at at best so that's why this draft talk is still very intriguing for a lot of predators fans um throw out some other prospects that you think if the predators do fit in that 12 to 15 range. Um, some, some guys that we can be uh, looking at right now. So there's, there's two. Um, one of them is Nate Danielson, who I've been scouting quite a bit from the WHL, another WHL guy. Um, he is an interesting one. Um, it really depends what kind of prospect you're looking for. He's not the most dynamic. He's not the most offensively gifted um, he's not going to be a guy that produces at an elite level. He's not going to be a guy that produces, you know, top line production. He's probably going to be a number two, number three center at best, but his value lies in his defensive abilities. He is a stout defensive forward. Um, he's already at this point, a dominant defensive zone presence, a game changer in that area, in my opinion. Um, his transitional abilities, although he's not super involved, he's still extremely efficient um, and is able to move the puck up the ice and keep the puck at the other end of the ice and away from his own team's net. And he's very, very smart with the puck. He doesn't make many mistakes in the offensive zone. I look at him as kind of a, an Anthony Sorelli type uh, of right. player. I like and that. To, and to get him, you know, in the 15 or so range is about where he's projected because of just how good this draft is. I think that's great value for any and team. That, and, and, you know, that really fits into kind of what the Predators like in their forwards. They like the two-way defensive-minded forwards that you can never have too many centers. And so I could see the Predators being very interested in and in probably already heavily scouting um, 
scouting in that area. You know, I think the Predators are going to – you mentioned what it's all about what you're looking for. I see the Predators right now as a team that just needs to take the best player on the board that they like the most, regardless of position other than goalie, obviously, in the first round. But other than that, I think they need to take the best player on the board. Um, do you have like maybe another defenseman that could be in that range that you've looked at or another another guy? For defensemen, it's not the best class for defensemen. Okay. Um, I would say that it the second round is probably going to be the best spot to take a defenseman in this class. All right. Uh, the forwards, as I mentioned, um, Bedard, Zach Benson's another elite forward. Um, you know, Danielson is another great player. Um, I mentioned Fantilli, another really good forward. There's just so many good forwards in this draft class that a lot of teams are thinking of going second round, taking a defenseman there if they want one. Um, but I would say, whoa, I I was going to say real quick, I think the Predators definitely need to be looking more towards that position because they're, they're still not deep in that area at all. And, uh, their, their prospect pool has definitely shown some strides over the last few years. Um, I, I, you know, I've seen some people even rank them around the 10th best prospect pool right now. Um, I don't know if, if you get into the prospect rankings at all when it comes to ranking teams or not, but uh, would you agree or or from an outsider that have you heard a lot about the prospect pool for the Predators kind of getting better among some of the other prospect pools in the league? They've definitely improved over the years. I've liked some of their more recent draft picks for sure. I'm not mm-hmm. too familiar. I don't do the prospect ranking like you mentioned. I, okay. I'm not. Uh, I don't do that too. Sorry often. to throw you a curveball there, Kyle. <laughs> that's, you that's just, that's you right. have so, you have such a wealth of knowledge. I figure you knew. I figured you knew everything, man. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you, you you've really enlightened us today. Because it's been so much good talk here today on episode 170. Uh, we have been joined by Kyle Pereira. Last word on hockey. He scouts for the draft. As long as he has time, we're going to try to get him on again as the draft gets closer and we get, start getting a more clear picture of where teams might end up slotting. We got to get post-trade deadline first and all that. But, uh, Kyle, man, it's been a blast. And we really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Uh, go follow him at Prera underscore report. Go follow all of his work at Last Word on Hockey. And, um... You'll be glad you did. So much good content. All right, everybody. This has been episode 170 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton. We thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And until then, everyone stay safe and take care.